I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Ladies, gentlemen, how are you doing, sir? (laughs) Man, so as you were uh, queuing up the music, you probably saw me take a last second laugh at what I was looking at. Oh, I missed that. Sorry, I was in the, in the technical zone. You were in the zone. He pushes three buttons the entire night, and he just pushed two of them. He has one left, and Ooh. his job is done. Hey, you know what? I just pushed another one. Oh, shit. Ooh. We oh, have to count. We're we done. have to count. Um, so I, I monitor the Facebook feed over here just so I can see anything going on. I can't always see the things that far away. And uh, there's this really nice comment. Nick Reyes. That's who I have sitting here, by the way. Nick is an all-around badass. He started skydiving at Skydive Spaceland, and it has already taken him around the world. He's a great flyer, awesome instructor, an amazing human being. He is, however, still a punk. And that was the end of the title. And then, <laughs> and he's late, was added. That's why yeah, I laughed super at. late. <laughs> uh, we'll blame that one on JP. Why is it JP's fault? Uh, weather what, hold. What, oh, I thought you were going to say we went and flew another load like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he went and let me jump on his plane again. Uh, no. Dude, holds. So I got Nick Reyes here. Uh, some of our friends know you. Some of our friends don't know you. So let's get to know you, man. Uh, when did you start sky jumping? Um, so did my first jump in June 2010. And then... The next year in February 2011, did two more tandems and started the STP stuff. And then finished in August 2011. So I think it was like nine months of student stuff and then charging hard ever since. So one of the things I included in your glamour shots for this, I, I'm starting to call those little montages I put together your glamour shots because I go in and I like, you know, nerd on you. You did your first tandem with JP. Mm-hmm. And JP was our second to last guest. We had Braden. Um, so so kind of cool, man. Neat. Um, 2010, you did with your J. Uh, hey, grandson. Hey, Nick. Glad you're back. Hey, grandson. Get a haircut. Is that That's Grandpa Chad? You got <laughs> it, brother. I was wondering. And uh, Marion Sparks, he is not back. He is just visiting us. So uh, guys and gals, if you know Nick Lott, he is visiting. He's having a super What the good hell time. are you talking about? I live here. You can't call him Nick Lott on an accident. Now you're just confusing Shit. everybody. So earlier today, I sat down between the two of you. Uh, Remember at the beginning of the morning? And I was like, I am going to fuck this Nick thing up. So he is Mr. P. You are Nick Reyes. Okay. Uh, I'm sticking with Mr. P for the entire night, and you know I'm going to fuck that's, that up. That's, we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and help you. I'm not going to get that there. All right, it's am, fine. Am I the Nick Reyes? You're, I'm you're the Nick Reyes. You are the the Nick Reyes. Um, Apparently, that's my name on Manifest. It's basically, so that's kind of neat. The Nick Reyes? Yeah. We took the word douchebag out in the computer just because... It spelled it a little different? Uh, yeah. I don't think you should feel too special, because all that means is that someone else named Nick Reyes made a jump at <laughs> Skydive Spaceland, and they couldn't tell the difference between you well, and that guy on Manifest. That's exactly what happened last yeah. year when I came for my visit, um, and started making jumps and went to pay and they're like yeah you did two jumps today i was like oh i'm pretty sure i did seven <laughs> <laughs> no all you did was two. Oh, i didn't get a printout so the other nick reyes has been owing for two jumps for a long time is that what we're learning uh five jumps five jumps the other nick reyes has. thanks other nick reyes you <laughs> you are you paying for his jumps or are you putting your jumps on his account yeah yeah on his account Great, mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. bastard. So you started jumping. Is that video? Is that picture with you with JP? Your actual first jump? Yep. 
And damn, you were young. How old were you then? That was my 18th birthday. God damn. What so, are you, 22 now? 23? Haha, <laughs> 23 and a half. Oh, shit. For no. real? I just had my 25th birthday. You're what? Twi- You're really 25? I'm 25. Man. What year were you born? 92. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I graduated, and some people will argue if I graduated high school in 92. <laughs> I hate you. God damn, you're the same age as my high school diploma. Once again, people will argue the validity of that degree, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, now, you've been jumping since 2010. Your first jump since 2011 actively. Mm. Uh, you started here at Spaceland, and really, you were a little shredder. You took to it very naturally. It was. I thought was, you were going to say you were a little shit, which I think is also accurate. I completely <laughs> agree. You were, and, and I would never say he was a little shit. He is a little shit. Can't stop, won't stop. You're a punk. <laughs> <laughs> um, you took to it fairly naturally, and actually to a point that you uh, you advanced fairly quickly. I say fairly quickly. Some people would say too quickly. You and I have shared some of those stories recently, just, just remembering people accusing you of wanting to kill yourself. And, uh, man, I really think legitimately you did a fair job. You've, you were super aggressive, but I think it was fair. Um. You went into free flying, you went into working skydiving, you became a tandem instructor, you became a videographer. That was basically what happened, said and done. Mm, in some sort of order that way. Yeah. Now, from there, you leave Spaceland. I lost Nick Reyes in my life. I, I know all about Nick Reyes before that, and trust me, people, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this on Facebook right now, you don't fucking care about that punk. He was an idiot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you're, you're a great dude. But where did you go when you left Spaceland? Uh, a little place called Moab, Utah. Is that where you went first, or did you go other places between? So I'm, I'm really lost um, in your trips. So I did the Moab Boogie in 2013 um, after I got my tandem rating in July 2013, because that's my three-year mark on my birthday, and then a month later I got tandem rating. Did like, I don't know, 300, 350-ish tandems at Spaceland, and then went to Moab to go and work and do some tandems there during their boogie. Had a good time, loved it. Talked to them about coming back the next year. Finished up a big road trip. Went up then to like Portland and then down the West Coast and then eventually made it back over here. And then decided, well, life kind of happened and I was like, well, I'm going to get out of here and went to Moab because it was awesome. And I talked to them about going to work there. So moved to Moab in, I guess, like the beginning of July 2014. And then in September 2014, left and went to Australia. Okay. So I was in Australia for 10 months, got back here in uh, June or July um, 2015, uh, went straight back to Moab, um, worked worked like two weeks because I got back from Australia with literally $50 American in my pocket to my name, and then showed up at Moab, worked, left, came back here. <clears throat> was here for a couple of weeks, got my stuff, and then uh, Moab ever since. I, I don't remember the order that well. Obviously, it's your life, and I'm not stalking you, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually, for some odd reason, thought you went to Australia first. But now that you're telling the story, I'm like, that. that yeah, yeah, that's starting to make sense again. I, I remember mm-hmm. this. So you've, you've really made, and that's you get to the point very quickly, you made a life in Moab. You went to Moab. You fell in love with, I don't know, was it the people there? Did they put something in the water? Is uh, it the land? What what makes you fall in love with Moab? I'm not saying it's a bad place. Why are you there? It's uh, just all the adventures of everything else to do. Like I Mormonism? Mean, 
Uh, yeah, dude, multiple wives. I'm into that. Dude, I can't handle one wife. How the fuck are you going to have more than one? You can't even date one girlfriend. Yeah, no, I can't. No. Mm-hmm. no boyfriend, you got covered. That's, uh, that's, an all, that's something on its own. The reason we had you here tonight? Nick Sandwich. Heyo. So. I want to be the meat. <laughs> uh, no, you, we, we have to be the dough. No, because I know there would be two Nicks on the outside to represent the sandwich, but I need, I'm going to need to be in the middle. How about rotation? <laughs> Just saying. Rotation, they're fair. <laughs> Take turns. All right. Um, so <laughs> we all know how to juggle, right? <laughs> in these nights. So you <laughs> move. <laughs> hey, Debbie, I know you might be watching. Just saying, there is a special uh, thing going on here for you. Just figure it out on your own, sweetheart. Love you. Debbie, um, who's Debbie? Debbie is my sister and Mr. P, Mr. P's bestest friend ever. They're BFFs, for real, for sure. So, um,. <laughs> <laughs> what what keeps you in Moab besides Mormonism and multiple wives? Um, all the adventures to do outside of skydiving. You know, like skydiving is awesome and all. I totally love it. I'll do it till the sun comes up and goes down. Get get up on that microphone just but, a little bit, oh, a little oh, more. Oh, oh, make love. Up oh, up oh, oh, oh. oh. here here we are. Oh, make better. love to the so, bike. So Moab's real nice and I really like it there. And there's a lot of fun <laughs> things to do. Oh uh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, if we're not skydiving, we have stuff to do, whether it's climbing, mountain biking, um, general hiking to some place, uh, hanging out on the river or the lake because it's hot as hell in Moab. Uh, the place is literally an oven. Um, but, like, now, after a couple seasons out there and watching people base jump, I was like, yeah, cool, let's do this base jumping thing. And, um, so learned how to base jump in Moab. So now I have that to do and, um, ground launching, whether it's a full size paraglider or uh mini wing, but just a 16 meter. It's for me, it's more like a mini wing, but somebody heavier. It's go ahead. It's say somebody your wing. size, somebody your size, DJ. It's more like a descent wing. You call me a fat ass <laughs> man. Uh, but it's, it's a nice all around canopy. Like I can, I can soar with it and stay up for you know hours as long as the wind's right or if it's a no wind day you can get your swoop on is that like and a 130 ish range in uh, square feet you know, you know? It's 16 meters closer to like uh 170 actually oh is it that big yeah it's just oh, above a 150 sh- about a 170 size so it's a pretty decent size can that'll carry my fat ass oh yeah yep you're not supposed to agree to the fat uh, ass comment well <laughs> uh you you made it not me you don't have to agree with it man uh, asshole well it, it'll carry big people <laughs> It'll carry the weight. It's a it's a pretty powerful canopy. It's it's got some range. So you've um, really been living life in nylon. Parachutes, paragliders, parachutes for base jumping, speed wings, nylon climbing equipment. You've been living life in nylon. I mean, you you're in fl- love with nylon and the earth. Yep. So, I uh I I've always been infatuated with the Moab area. You hear all these beautiful stories. You see all these cool things. But recently, the rating center, you actually had convinced us to come out and do a coach course in Moab. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately for me, I sent my boy Hank out there. I love Hank. I'm still mad at him that I sent him and didn't take the course myself. But uh, he wanted to travel, and I think he deserves it. Um, you and I talked on the phone one night, and you were trying to explain the places y'all were jumping. And I was remember I was pulling up on Google Earth and looking, oh, my fucking God, man. I've never looked that closely and realized that Utah is actually an attractive place. I thought when Mr. P left, all the attraction was gone. I thought when Sexy came to Texas, no, just, we were... Just a big chunk of it. Big chunk. No, the, the cool thing about Utah is, like, 
down south where he's at, landscape is super different than it is up north. So it's really diverse, and there's any, anything you want to do outside is someplace in Utah. So up north, there's a lot of big... Uh, when I think about mountains, I think about snowy ski-down mountains. But in Moab, the mountains are all red, that really nice red rock, yeah. all those crazy rock formations. So uh, Utah's a super beautiful place. So Utah actually has the snow cap. Like when I think mountains, I think what you say, and when I think uh, Utah, I think canyons and uh, red rock. The the LaSalle's in Moab probably still have snow on them. There was a bit of snow still up in the mountains when I left. And it's July when you left, so yeah. holy shit, man. Now it's not like proper white caps, but in uh, what January, February, March. He's April, counting on his finger, May. guys. Just uh, just so you know, he needs fingers. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of May, the LaSalle's got snowed on. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you just straight up counted the fucking months on your... Fe- January, February, March. Well, there's a lot of them. Like, you can't even count them all on two hands. You can count them on two feet. You got 12 toes. Uh, well, okay, well, we won't put the feet in the camera. Dude, people have asked me, like, <laughs> what is a weird fetish? Why do all my guests actually do this barefoot? Why don't anybody wear shoes? Because I don't... Because we're let- all dirty, uh, not super respective. No, because well. I tell people Valerie makes us all take <laughs> shoes off in our house. And that really, it's, it's we don't want the extra dirt in the house, so we actually don't wear shoes. So sorry, those of you who complained about Nick's, oh my God, that's ugly feet. <laughs> uh, there it is. Moab, dude, I had no clue that you had mountains. I hadn't, like, I knew. You know that uh, Salt Lake City hosted the Winter Olympics in 2000. You know, no shit. Yeah. Gotta, I mean, like. You gotta have mountains for that shit. Nope. Yeah. Dumb moment right there. Like, <laughs> over my head and straight back and behind. Um,. I just, I, I guess, I never think about it because what does every American think of the first second you say Utah? Mormons. Yeah, straight up. Mormons. Oh, you're from Utah. Are you Mormon? Yeah. How many times have you both heard? Oh, that how now? many wives do you have? Oh, the LDS, bro. Oh, is everyone there Mormon? <laughs> L- oh, Latter Day Saints. Took yeah. me a second. Took me a second, man. You can't be speaking that Utah jive in here, man. <laughs> Shucking and talking all big hey, Utah. Hey, don't be talking down to my homie Joseph Smith. <laughs> you know who that is yet? Really? Nope. Jo- yeah. Joseph Smith is the Mormon prophet. He's the guy who uh, founded the Mormon religion at the age of 14 or some crazy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. So this is a guy that knows the stuff. He knows all the stuff. So do you know Do you know how he discovered the Mormon no. doctrine? No. All right, I'm going to butcher this, but the general idea is apparently he was out exploring in the woods and found uh, a magical seer stone which let him be the only one who was able to read these tablets that God had left for him to, to find. So I think he was the only one with the seer stone that let him see the tablets. I think he's just the only one that saw the tablets. So he couldn't, no one else could read this information that God was giving him about this. Because uh, he didn't share his drugs. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever he was on. <laughs> he was the only one taking that shit. I think that's probably the easiest way to put it. But, uh, yeah, watch out for those crazy Mormons. They're going to get you. There's not much of that in Moab, though, is there? No, not really. Moab's kind of a bit of a hippie town. Like, everybody there is pretty much there for adventures, except for, like, I don't know, some most of the locals that just kind of stay at their house. So, you know, Moab's apparently actually was a really speedy place at a, at a point in time. Speedy? Speedy, y- like, like sp- drugs, yeah. like speed. Oh, using speed. Oh, like, stuff yeah, smells like, good. like meth and whatnot. Um... I yeah, I felt like about. people got busted inside the old uh, uranium mines for setting up shop and cooking up. 
Dude, that's a great place. To, I mean, you, not, you're going to go like, Breaking Bad. That's proper Breaking Bad stuff. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, let's go hide in these fucking salt mines. Uh, salt kind of? and uh, mo- mostly uranium mines. Uranium. uranium mines. There's like copper mines as well and stuff like that. What's Moab your... was Moab was uh, a mining town. But there's also the story that Moab's the place where they sent all the bad Mormons and bad religious people and sent there's all the religious that way. So LDS, Latter-day Saints, that's what a lot of the more that's what you could refer to the Mormon church as, the LDS church. But there's a sect of of Mormons, it's the FLDS, so it's the fundamentalist group. Mm-hmm. And they live a lot of them live down south, a little more, uh, more like Provo and Price. No, like kind of Saint <clears throat> Saint George area. Okay, over there, there's like a big community of, but uh, like serious polygamous Mormon fundamentalist crazy well, people. So when you when you're in that area, sometimes you'll see them like out at the store, and they all dress the same. These weird plaid dresses and braids, and it's super cultish. It's very weird. Hmm. So don't let them get you. Stay away. I don't want you. I'm not a part of that stuff. <laughs> they don't want you either, Nick. No. They just don't. So you go to Moab, apparently, for, for Mormonism. Actually, and I... I uh, oh, is that why you went? You were going to yes. convert? Yeah, he's Yeah, I got rid of one, pick up five. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about the ladies. God, I'm catching up, man. I'm a little <laughs> slow on the uptake right now. I'm catching up, man. <laughs> Got rid of it. Okay. Um, so I, I started discovering the beauty of the land you live in. Like, I've seen some videos from Moab Boogie. I've seen some pictures and videos from skydiving. And pictures are so two-dimensional, you never really quite get the justice they're deserved. And none of the pictures have ever been at an angle that makes me appreciate it. But between looking at pictures that you kind of guided me towards by looking at some of those jump sites you talked about, um, by... Facebook stalking. Yeah, I mean, you, you're always posting things going on. You you are nonstop on Facebook. You're like a 16 year old bitch when it comes to that fucking thing. Yeah, well, we do a lot of cool stuff. Oh, dude, I appreciate you sharing it. You know, of all the fucking crap on Facebook I see, I actually look at your pictures. I'm not sharing my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's where I'm upset. I like food, so I, I want to see more pictures of my plates of food before I eat them. No, I guess, but. no. Keep sharing Moab, dude. It's, it's some <laughs> beautiful shots. <clears throat> so you know, you know, I've been trying to get there recently, and we still need to work that out at some point. You have how many skydives now? I need to do totals, but I'm just over 6,000. And you have how many base jumps now? Uh, about 220-ish. Maybe 220, you don't take anything half-assed, do you? Uh, Not really. You get into it. Yeah, yeah. If it's awesome. I mean, I, I like fun. You like fun. So what's your job at Skydive Moab? What do you do there? Uh, Now, uh, Tandem Video AFF. I'm kind of moving away from Tandem's. Um, simply because uh, one, we've got a handful of instructors and two, now that we don't have a Cessna drop zone anymore, we can, you know, we have a pack. So outside video is a thing now. So getting back in the outside video, um, how I got started working in the sport uh, and then I get to fly my parachute and my body to myself. And you've been um, doing a lot of AFF lately. Yeah, actually we've put in a, put, uh, put a lot of people through AFF and my, which is really nice. For my sister and any Wuffos who do listen, and oddly enough, we have Wuffos who listen to this for fun. I don't understand why. AFF Accelerated Free Fall. You basically take about a six-hour, eight-hour, if Hank's teaching at 10-hour, I love you, Hank, ground school, um, where they teach you how to fly by yourself, how to uh, open and fly your parachute by yourself, how to land by yourself, how to do it all on your own. But then we go out and we hold on to you like, hey, we're going to be here for training wheels just in case. We got your back. We'll help you. Um, we talk you down on radio. And AFF is really... Um, 
not usually a tourist trap. It's usually like, bro, I want to get into skydiving. I'm interested. And uh, a decent number of AFF students return. Uh, larger than most first tandem students do. How are you liking that AFF world? AFF is neat. Yeah? What do oh, you yeah. yeah, yeah. Why? What is it? Um Hmm. Uh kind of all of it. One, uh it, you know, just bringing somebody into the sport is awesome. Like I fucking love this stuff. I don't know if anybody knows that, but <laughs> uh fucking love skydiving. And being able to bring people into skydiving and showing them what I like to do and them be able to do it themselves because it is rad. Uh, that part's awesome. Um, teaching somebody something and then seeing that, that they're actually picking up on what you're dropping for them, like they're actually learning, um, that's really cool. And you, we build good relations with our students, um, especially like Moab's a really small crew. You know, there might be all of 20 people that work at Skydive Moab, but, you know, 10 of them are jumpers. So the rest of it's all a lot of ground help, you know. Um, and by jumpers, I mean either instructor or video flyer. Yeah, everybody at the drop zone jumps. So I don't think we have anybody that's working there that isn't a skydiver. But, um, you know, we it's a pretty slow-paced drop zone um, as far as, like, AFF is concerned and a, a weekday. Um, so... We spend a good bit of time with everyone. Mm -hmm. And then, like, if we're not jumping, most of the time people that show up to come and learn how to skydive are not from Moab. So they show up and spend a significant amount of time at the drop zone, and we go an adventure together afterwards. It's like, well, we're not skydiving, but we're going to go do something else awesome. Do you want to come and play? So we'll either go find a canyon to run around in, go play at the river on, on the lake or whatever, and camp out and go to the drop zone and do it again. It's, it sounds, you know, we get into skydiving because it's an adventure, you know, it's, it's, isn't that the Navy slogan logo? It's not just a job, it's an adventure. Um, that's, that's, yeah. Oh, I was going to, <laughs> I was going to make fun of the Navy. <laughs> Go <laughs> for <laughs> it. I'm all in. Yeah, Jason Hyder was in the Navy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That says it all. Yeah. Your dad uh, is a Marine, right? He's a Marine. So okay. he will, uh, he will actually encourage you to make fun of the Navy. Yeah. My brother's a Marine too. You get it. So yeah, I got the same jokes, <laughs> but maybe I should just keep that to myself. Sorry, not going to make fun of the Navy. Sorry, okay. Uh, don't be gay. <laughs> Navy, never again volunteer yourself. Um, what, that acronym for Navy? Yeah, I grew up on military bases my whole life. Dominant Marine Corps and Navy bases, also grew up on Army bases. So all the lame military jokes. 28 years my dad was in the Marine Corps. I lived with it for 21 years of my life. So I know all the bad military jokes. How'd you stay out of the military? How did you not get... Sucked in being being that close. <laughs> um, I actually wanted. Uh, he, I, hold on, are you making fun of me making love to this pop filter? Because <laughs> yes, I, I have not even started yet. No, you have not. No. <laughs> so he sits there and he gives like Eskimo kisses. He rubs his nose, Nick, against the fucking pop filter. The, it usually, it usually <laughs> takes about an hour of podcasting before I start getting real friendly with this little Dude. fella right here. <laughs> but man, it happens. It's but you, I'm glad that you can't. Like, if you rub your face on yours. I you can, can hear, hear that, it. yeah. But this, you, you can't hear anything, so I get away with it. Yeah. And God, I love it. Oh, dude, you make love that thing. I've actually noticed I've had to uh, check the distance between the mic and that thing because you've got it all up on it before. 
Oh, if I, t- oh. I just pushed it all the way in. <laughs> I don't know if you push the mic up into it or it onto the mic. No, I, I, I sit here and I him. play with all the screws and I move it around and mostly just want to rub my face on it. He just... I asked you a question before this got so silly. What the hell was it? Military. How did I Oh, yeah. It? How did you stay out of, out of the Marines? So um, I almost didn't. I wanted to get into... The, I wanted to join the Marine Corps and I was interested in flying F-18s. I didn't have the grades for it at all um, in high school. My father did in the Marine Corps something called HIT, H-H-I-T, stands for Hornet Harry Introduction Team. And one of his jobs, or his job was the deputy program manager. I think I said that right. But he traveled, and we were in Japan and Hawaii and a couple other bases where he prepped aircraft carriers and bases, the facilities, to be able to house F-18s, whether it was the hangars, whether it was any of the avionic support shops, the test cells, whatever needed to support F-18s, including, what are those things called? Flight simulators. Remember the movie Iron Eagle? What you don't? No. Uh-uh. Remember the movie Iron Eagle? <laughs> God nope. damn, I'm old. Uh, so I'm actually that stupid nerdy kid who actually got to get into an F-18 flight simulator as a kid a few times because my dad worked on the building. That movie came out the same year I was born. Yeah, I hate you too. So um, <laughs> growing up on military air stations, growing up around fighter jets, that movie, Top Gun, both of those movies were super popular in my childhood. 1986, Nick, shut up. Don't want to hear it. Um, so... Uh, I wanted to fly F-18s. And one of the things the military has is a little bit of a steep tradition. For example, if I joined the Marine Corps, depending where you're located is where you went to boot camp at the time, now called basic training. Um, but if your father was in the Marine Corps, you could go wherever he went. So they were very big on being able to follow family tradition. My dad was involved with the F-18 program for the Marine Corps since its inception. So he had a lot of friends high up in the command, and they all told me the same thing. Son, if you can actually get through college with good grades, you have a, you, we will give you a shot just based off the fact. We will let you line up and try out to see if you can make it. I'm like, all right, as long as I got a shot, I'm good. A local recruiter was working with me. local Marine recruiter was talking to me. Uh, I was about to graduate high school. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And at some point, he said, son, I noticed you squint a lot. I'm like, yeah, man, I do here and there. <laughs> that's a little bit racist. <laughs> yeah, that's a little but... fucking racist, you jab bastard. <laughs> um, do you wear glasses? I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to, but I never do. I mean, I don't really need it. He goes, man. And there was, and once again is, a day and age where they wanted 20-20 vision for fighter pilots. Like, you got to have perfect vision. There was a time where they're like, oh, we'll accept up to this corrected, no big deal. He's like, son, if you weren't Top Marvin's kid, Top is, he was the Master Gunnery Sergeant E9, highest enlisted rank he could get. In 28 years of the Marine, you at some point build a reputation in a small working force. If you weren't Top Marvin's kid, I wouldn't tell you. Your dad was a recruiter, you know the difference. We're salesmen, I would just sign you up for the Marine Corps, ignore the fact that you're not going to be able to do what you want to do, and we'll just put you in something else. But I know your father, son. You're squinting. You're not ever going to get into a fighter jet. You're never going to have a chance. Do you still want to join the Marine Corps? Nope. And I walked away. I went to Bible college to be a pastor. (laughs) You're laughing. So you either wanted to get in an airplane built for killing people. Or or see Jesus. Or see (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not joking. Went to Bible college. I, I, uh, in hindsight, even spoke with my parents. I did it. Because I thought it was the thing my parents wanted me to do. I did not understand that for the first year. I just kind of was going blindly into it. And at some point, I spoke with my parents and said, you know, this is not my life. This is not my goals. These are not my decisions. Um, I worked uh, as an assistant pastor. I think I've told you that in a church in Central California for six months uh, and a fundamental independent Baptist college. Uh, I have gone to seminary, uh, I have studied theology, I have studied the Bible, I've studied Greek and Latin to understand the Bible. 
all these religious conversations we get into, I have an education on. Um, I have <laughs> bookshelves beyond bookshelves of books on the Bible. You notice you don't hear about this from me a lot. No, no, I was just going to make a why'd you quit before you got to start touching children joke, but then decided that was super <laughs> inappropriate. Because I found out. But then, I la- but then I laughed out loud about it, so I had to address no, it. No, no, I quit because I found out my religion didn't allow us to touch naughty points. Oh, <laughs> I like, well. Oh, I meant to be Catholic, and I screwed that up, man. <laughs> Oh, oh, all right. Sorry. No, man. Sorry to interrupt with something no. totally inappropriate. I just no. couldn't help it. So I decided, like, this is not the right path for me. I'm doing this for my parents. And my parents are like, oh, no, no, no. We never wanted you to do this. We want you to be happy. Like, as much as going to Bible college made my parents happy, they're happier that I'm a skydiving bum for a living. It's like, I can't believe my ultra conservative, and you know my family background. We've talked about it. How conservative and how Christian and how fucking conservative my parents will never hear this podcast if they do my mom's gonna have a heart attack dude because i just said the f word um does does your mom not know that you dropped the f-bomb um they're aware because they've heard me do it when i lose my temper and they're not super excited about it but um my parents live in a place that i appreciate and it is no matter what somebody next to you believes don't criticize don't force don't push upon them what you believe, respect them for their beliefs, and if they're willing to share and talk about it with you, then have a respectful adult conversation with them, but don't disrespect them through their beliefs. Oh, you're a fucking idiot. You don't believe in God. Oh, you're a fucking idiot. You believe in a magical character called God. (laughs) I mean, who cares what we all believe in, as long as you don't damage and hurt each other through the process. So, yeah, I mean, so religion is a very sensitive topic for me. I don't mind talking about it at all. It's sensitive because so many people get in douchebag arguments over it. I'm like, I, I have some friends who are straight up atheists. If you know me well enough, you'd know I'm a Christian and I believe in God. I also, when I die, will find out I'm wrong about some of it. I'm right about some of it. And I have no clue what percentage any of it is. And when I die, we'll find out. That's, that's, none of us are right 100%. None of us are wrong 100%. We'll figure it out. Nick Reyes, what happens when we die? Um, yeah, yeah, I you come stop back moving. Red rocks. And then somebody has to pick you up and either put you in the ground or burn your ashes. Or burn your ashes. Are you a bury me guy or a cremate me guy? I'm a cremate me guy. Cremate yeah. me. I'm a cremate See, me I was guy. a I was a cremate me guy as well until I listened to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about it. God, now you got and, a smart argument. Yeah, oh. I, I hate when I when I listen to someone who I know is definitely smarter than me and they make a really good <laughs> point. But I, I really want to say that Larry King was actually interviewing him and asked him this question, and he is of the opinion that when you burn someone's body that you're burning all of the energy out of their out of their body and turning them into into ash you're using up that energy right but your whole life you're taking energy from the earth through the food that you eat and uh you know through the sun and everything and he said the only way to return that energy back to the earth is to let the earth consume your body i pooped it back into the earth no (laughs) matter which side i wiped from (laughs) <laughs> Nick Reyes, to uh, get back onto a topic we've discussed in depth on the last couple podcasts, do you wipe front to back or back to front? Uh, do you reach between your legs to wipe your asshole, or do you re- reach around the back? Uh, first one's back to front, and then... So, Wait, you switch <laughs> halfway through somewhere in there. There's a front to back. I swirl. This is crazy, man. Like I, it's it's crazy well, that no one really teaches you how to do this, right? If you wipe like, one do, way, do eventually you... it's gonna smear the other. <laughs> it's a good best argument. It's yeah. a good argument. I like I like your theory. 
I just... <laughs> if, no, it's just a funny thing to think about, you know, because I don't remember anyone teaching me how to handle the paperwork down there, you know? <laughs> I call it sign the paperwork. Yeah, but, like, I don't... There was never a class. I don't remember my mom saying anything. So it's like, yeah, you just kind of do your thing until the poo stop, stops showing up on the white paper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you're convinced that it's clean, then you're done, right? Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've learned through this conversation more than anything else that when you wipe your butt, your nipples get hard. You did that to yourself. Yeah. That's what Mr. P taught me no, recently. I stole that I from a comedy bit. I can't take ever okay. noticed that. Now well, you will. Maybe you should check. Now you should check it out, dude. Well, now that it's been said, it will. If it happens, then I'll be like, whoa, they were right. <laughs> <laughs> dude, the best part is this conversation's happened more than once. And this we were like round three, I think. Dinner at the melting pot. Oh, and, that would make it round four. Oh, perfect. Oh, dude, in public. And our server walks up in the middle of the conversation. Did they have something to say? Uh, I asked him. I'm like, I'm right. Yeah. And he just agreed with whatever I said, not wanting to get in the conversation. Not the engaging. Tony, man, he's super. Super cool dude. I mean, like, super, super nice guy. Um, if you ever go to the melting pot, ask for Tony. Oh, I don't know him. Had him once as a server. Dope dude. We had a good time. So, um, dude, oh, I picked out. Oh, dude, I was, have you ever been to the melting pot, Mr. Nick Reyes? I don't <laughs> think so. It's, uh, you know what fondue is? Uh, that's like beer cheese soup. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like beer cheese soup. So yeah, you you melt cheese, you dip stuff in the cheese, you eat some other stuff, you beer cheese soup. It pours out of a fountain. So right, I, I mean, oh. uh, I feel like if you're gonna have fondue, it should be pouring out of a fountain. That's a really, I agree with. Uh, I've had a chocolate glorious, glorious cheese out of a fountain, and you've got like the big long fucking skewer, and you know you you skew whatever it is you want. Yeah, that cheese sounds great. Let's, I will do that right now. If the melting pot does it outside of pots inside fountains, I'd be in. Yeah, totally. Dude, it's a full fondue meal. You have your fondue cheese, you dip your crap in your not crap. It's a know. ridiculous amount of food, by the way. Dude, I gained three and a half pounds at dinner that night. Nice. Straight up weighed myself. I could have used those pounds. Food. Today you could have, you son of a bitch. The last three days. Sixty pounds. Sixty pounds. Uh dude, you dip cheese, bread, veggies, whatever into cheese. Then you have There's like, vegetables in this? Dude, and fondue. Then you dip like oh, lobster tail, filet, chicken, shrimp. You dip that stuff into some broth crap. And then it ends with chocolate and strawberries and banana. Oh, man. Um, dude. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. Why don't we talk about uh, what you've been doing here the last Yeah, few days. that's what I was. 60 pounds of lead. So... First of all, if you skydive and you're a skinny bitch, you wear lead to go faster. Or and, you change your shoes. Or you change your shoes. My wife, for example, Valerie, is a skinny bitch. And Valerie, I mean, her email is ifloat at iwonttellyou.com. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or Valerie at the ratingscenter.com is actually her real email address. Ratingscenter.com. Ratings. I say ratingscenter. Rating. The ratingscenter.com. I know. I'm just reminding you. With an S. We're live. The, the no, we're ratings center. Yeah, thank you. Dot um, com. Dot com. Um, she, uh, for her, when she did four-way with Scott Latinus, or not Scott Latinus, Scott Elmer and his group, she wore 23 pounds of lead to do four-way. Yeah, man, make that face. She did every skydive that year with 20 to 23 pounds of lead on. Girl has to lead up. And you ask anybody, that's wearing a lot of lead on a skydive. And I think I'd, you'd agree. I'd probably change teams. Yeah, she needed to do skinny bitches. Uh, how much lead are you wearing this week? Uh, I'd, 
well, the first jump I did on the canopy was with 50 pounds. Because, I mean, you know, you want to learn the new canopy. And then we threw on 60. <laughs> <laughs> so 60 pounds of lead, man. Uh, what are you loading a canopy? Like, first of all, what size canopy is that? Uh, that was on Mr. Ian Jensen's 67 Petra, which uh, he was so kind to let me jump throughout the past three days. And we'll get to a little bit more why he's so kind to let you borrow it. And, and dude, it's just he's kind in general. But we're getting to your canopies as well. And what did you load that 67 at with 60 pounds of lead? Uh, a high 3.2. 3.2. You're waiting for your. You're waiting for a 64. Um, you've recently developed a relationship with uh, Icarus company mm-hmm. builds parachutes, and uh, they are trying to get you in time for this event a 64. Yeah, I was, I was supposed to have a 64 Sophia. But again, things from New Zealand to America, man. You can't count on customs. You can't count on the shipping company. The days are different. You know, you probably you drink more when you live in such a place. Yeah, yeah, man. And I, I really would believe there's a lot of time shipping issues. Hey, Chris Brooke, I hope you watch this. <laughs> Morning. Yeah, he's not talking trash. He's saying it's the shipping company, not your fault. He would never talk down on your company. Yeah, no, never got a tracking number. So, I mean, you know. I get, <laughs> he's not trying to give you an out here, man. Um, what would you have loaded that? How, what would you have done with lead for that 64? Mm, uh, 55. <laughs> I really don't think too much would have changed. I'm a pretty little dude. You're a tiny motherfucker. I'm 160 out the door. I need to be closer to the 210, 220-ish range. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, it kind of just depends on what wing you're flying. So people are so scared. I, I have talks every weekend with skydivers like, yo, bro, I'm thinking about wearing lead for the first time. Usually a skinnier guy or gal. Um, I'm kind of nervous about it. Like, good for you. You're smart. You're thinking ahead of time. And we look at like, here's the things you're putting on lead. Here's what your wing loading does. Here's what, and people get cautious putting on lead because they're concerned about how it's going to increase their wing loading. Why did you wear lead? Uh, to increase my wing loading. The opposite problem. The opposite reason. Why the <laughs> fuck would you want to fly around at a three something wing loading? Because uh, then you can keep up with wingsuits. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Dude, I am very blessed. Mr. P is very blessed. And I think sometimes him and I both overlook the facts. And this morning, we both, even though I distracted you, tried to take in some of those facts. Uh, we live in a playground at Disney World of Skydivers. I showed up today, and this was day three of an XRW, Extreme Relative Work. That's what it stands for, yeah? Extreme Relative Work uh, Camp. And I believe you guys had somewhere around 14 wingsuiters and around five or six canopy pilots. I think those are the ballpark numbers I was asking DQ earlier. And these wingsuiters and canopy pilots were flying together. They were teaming up and they were and they were pairing together and actually getting docks. Go for it, man. Getting docks, doing their thing and, and having at it. Um, hi, BFF. I see why now, Mr. Uh, Mr. You know what? Um, so I'll tell you more about what's happening there in a second. Um so, <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, I can't keep a straight face. So people are just listening to this. Like, actually, we get a lot more uh, listeners downloads than we, <laughs> we get. That's uh, artwork right there. Oh, my God. We get more downloads uh, through podcasts than we get live views, but we definitely get our fair share of live views. And my kid sister, Debbie, uh, is, is a big fan of what we do. She likes it. She drives a long way to and from work, and she gets bored. So she listens to this all the time. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi. And she, <laughs> and she, she, uh, she talked about my statue in the background. She oh, That's a Valkyrie. Shit. She just asked what the statue was, and it's a Valkyrie. And then I had to explain to her what the fuck a Valkyrie is. It's like one of the best parachutes ever made, better than anything mm, not entirely ever true. made by any other company. Not entirely true. <laughs> 
it is one of the best canopies ever made, and so is the it Petra, is a quality parachute, the Leia, for sure. the but Sophia. To call the, it a wing is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you can hate all you want. It's still one of amongst the others. It is a really cool parachute, for sure. It does a lot of cool stuff, and the guys are doing some really neat things with that canopy, for sure. Yes, I mean, some the people who are pushing the limits and pushing the edges are flying both sets of wings. But they're either NZ Aerosports Icarus or they're PD. You notice there's no other wing competitive with either one of them yet. Yet. I'd be super curious to see what Scott Roberts does. You know Scott's yep. name at least. Mm-hmm. Um, fluid wings. So my sister listens and she asks what the Valkyrie is. That's where we went. And she notices my toys. I've got, you know, a Danger Stay Clear propeller, a little British car. A good buddy of mine named Jason Mills gave me that little British Limey car. It looks like it's from Austin Powers. I've got my West Point Parachute Team Black Knights patch. I'm an honorary Black Knight. I had to do a little bit of work with them. It was super cool. My City of Iowa Police Department patch. Uh, the Chief of Police in Louisiana, Police Department in Louisiana. Got to be buddies with him. That branch that uh, looks... It's just... It's, it looks driftwoody. It's very driftwoody. Ah, neato. That's cool. Uh, 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 uh. So they went on my patches. And so it's just a little bit of a piece of driftwood, and Nick got to see the inscription on it. It's just a little memory for me. That's that's really cool. Yeah. So uh, Debbie's like, yo, so you need to put in the background a picture of your niece. That's a picture of my niece. Debbie also said that uh, that is the best. Um, Debbie also said, but she needs earmuffs because she can't listen to your foul language. (laughs) Remember, my family's very Christian, and uh, my sister thinks I fucking cuss too fucking much. Well, that's just too fucking bad. <laughs> I love you, Debbie. Um, she she listens. Sire. She's very open minded, uh, even though she doesn't like. Like she listens to Joe Rogan, and she's like, "Yeah, he uses the f word a lot, but you know, I can get past that. I like the I like what he's talking about. You know, she's not very uptight about it all." So, Nick made her a picture in the background of my niece with earmuffs on, and that is. Do look at that. Look at that girl. I see the magic. I see the magic. She. I have the cutest niece in the world. Let's man. go for another close up here, since. Dude, uh, Sorry, Since we've talked about it. Sorry, all you Facebook people, man. <laughs> my niece, Sophia, I'm going to share a little bit of my sister's story for one second. I'm going to share what I think is a private moment with my sister. And, Debbie, I apologize. If you don't want me to share this story, um, call me. My phone ringer is off. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, my sister uh, couldn't have children. She struggled and struggled for many, many years to have children. And she went through several attempts at pregnancy. And just couldn't have kids. Tried all sorts of different uh, IVF, IUI, just different treatments to help her have kids. And it just wasn't successful. And she gave it one last ditch effort with like, "Ah, I'm going to try it again. But, you know, I'm not having a kid. It is what it is. And she was settled. She's never having a kid. And she just gave it one more try. And my niece, Sophia, was born this last November, dude. That girl is one of those miracle (coughs) babies. Um, I don't care if Buddha, God, Yahweh, or magic corny dust brought her to my life, man. It's a miracle. And we all know it's kind of miracle babies. And my sister, dude, uh, means the world to me. She's one of my best friends. And she... uh, my niece is super, super lucky to have such a loving mother, and it just that whole situation, man. It's it's a struggle for our family, and so Debbie, sorry if I shared a little too much of your private life, but uh, nine fertility treatments and three miscarriages is what she just put on Facebook. So I'm not sharing too much of her private life. Um, and the thing, you know, I'll get accused of as being an optimist. It's a family trait. It's a family secret, man. Keep believing in it. Keep trying. Keep working hard. And if my sister can go through nine fertility treatments beyond the normal trying, you know, my sister and my brother-in-law got the nasty, nasty, boinky, boinky on Debbie and Steve. 
My sister gets creeped out with the fact that my parents made love one day. And that totally gets her. And I'm like, Debbie, without mom and dad getting down and dirty, you'd never be here. Somebody had a real good time to make you. Yeah. Have you ever thought about what position your parents were in when you were conceived? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the dirtiest questions you can ask a friend. It is really (laughs) weird to think about, like, that you are the direct result I've actually got to go to the bathroom. Sweaty dad. If you really do, go for it. You guys keep having this conversation. I'll be back when it's done. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw your mom today, so it makes it even better for me. Oh, no, that's terrible. You can't talk about his mom. She's a nice lady. (laughs) Right next to you, right, dude? (laughs) She's a very nice lady. Oh, no, Carrie is a sweetheart. I don't know how she had a son like Mr. Nick Reyes. So, Mr. P. Oh, we got an oh wow after Brian Menard. You know, you you know, you're crossing some lines when you're shocking Brian. <laughs> All right. So, about anything else in the world, let's let's take our usual break. This has been our break when we have guests on for the last oh probably about month, month and a half. And I'm going to talk about the film festival for just one second. Hit it. Music things. You and I talked about this. A lot of people have asked me about. Um, royalty-free music for the film festival, and I'm still going to encourage you to use royalty-permitted music for, for the film festival. But I, I'm doing more research, and, uh, and I do believe it's very easy to use royalty-free music. I just believe it's expensive or time-consuming, as Mr. P has pointed out. So if you want to do the film festival, what I'm going to do is you need to be able to put it on Facebook if you know a way to make Facebook believe it's not your music. Uh, Mr. P, you had some suggestions about that. Yeah, like if you slow it down by a certain percentage or let's say that you have your own audio going at the same time that a song is going so that the filters that pick up all that stuff don't grab it. Like I, I don't care the least bit about the actual legal copyright bits of it. I don't think either of us do. Yes. I think we just want the ability to share it uh, online. So if, if what you make doesn't get pulled from the internet, then I don't give a shit. Yeah, 100% true, man. I, I really would love it if you'd use music. I absolutely like. Um, I, I don't care about the, the royalty-free. I just care about Facebook. Uh, I, somebody told me today, I didn't know until you, they mentioned today and then you reinforced it tonight, that like leaving the swoop sound across part of the soundtrack, like letting the audio come up for the whoosh across or an exit scream, that's enough to disrupt the flow every so often. So there's tricks to it. Yeah, and I don't know like how often it needs to happen, like how often those sounds need to be in there. I don't know how big of a, like how small of a segment of a song those sorts of filters will pick up, but uh Someone's going to know. Yeah. I also figure worst case scenario, if you guys really blow it up and I just get two videos that get to the playoff for the film festival and I know they're going to get put on Facebook and yanked, then I'm going to go ahead and throw them on Vimeo, link Vimeo to Facebook, and we'll just get the most reactions to the Vimeo like. It'll still work. We'll still be okay. So for anybody who is curious or interested in the film festival and the music qualifications, fuck my music rules. Don't (laughs) let Facebook pull it. There's your music. <coughs> I, I like that much better. So can I leave you a video? Um, you must be present to win. Mm. But you can enter a video okay. all you want. I do. I would love it. So do you know what's going on with this stupid film festival thing we're doing? I do not. Um, Is it in October? It's in October. I've always, like, when I started skydiving, there were some really dope film festivals going on. The Flyboys Film Festival was probably the biggest one. Um, loved it. And when I started my own business, I thought, man, how cool would it be to throw a film festival? Because to me, a film festival is a place for your friends to do two things, three things, really. The first of it is hang out and just have a damn good time. You're bringing your friends together for a good thing. And the second one is we're all going to kiss each other. And the third one (laughs) is we're going to use our tongues. Um, 
people want to share their videos and people want to share their skydiving. So let's put together a fucking venue. Let's put together a film festival where we can hang out, party, have a good time, show off each other's videos, and show off each other's flying because we are around some gnarly flyers and some great editors, man. Um, so it, Brian Menard just, just claimed that Vimeo pulled both of his year-end videos because of the uh, copyright music. Boo. So, so I know that they... Uh, and he's not the first person I've heard say that, yeah, so I know that they know. do use media filters of some sort. I know it's less uh, strict than YouTube and especially less strict than Facebook. How Brian, you're beautiful. Mr. Menard, thank you for it. Mr. Menard. Mr. Menard, thank you for uh, sharing that. So, yeah, guys, uh, just just do what you you can to make it work. Um, (laughs) Plain and simply, if Facebook pulls your video because of the music, then you can't win the grand prize, which the grand prize is a free GoPro 5, a free Pro Track 2, and a couple other really cool discounts. What the fuck are you laughing at? Oh, we were just watching the playback where I looked into the camera and said, I love you, Brian. (laughs) Uh, Lindsay... Paul Peter, I always want to say her name wrong, uh, said she had the same problem. She got her video pulled in a week. So apparently I am fucking wrong about week. Vimeo. Fucking weak shit, man. I have put a couple of copyrighted songs on well, Vimeo. Well, let's just make the rule. If you can get away with having whatever you make on the internet. Oh, straight up, dude. So like, what's, 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 uh, how, how is this being scored? Is, is it like the people that are out there and mm-hmm. going on? Straight hey. up audience participation. Okay. At the end of showing the 10 videos being done. I'm going to hand everybody a ticket. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this part right away, but I'm figuring it out. I'm going to hand everybody a ticket. Say, write down the number 1 through 10 on the back of this ticket. Whoever wins, wins. Um, what if there are 11 videos? You're gonna really going to run into some problems. Uh, mm. Oh, how many of our videos there are? Man, I don't even know if we'll get 10. We only might get two. But write down the number. Whatever. I think we're gonna get. A, I think we're gonna get more than a couple handfuls. I, I'm getting, I sure I, hope you get more than a couple. I'm getting handfuls. worried about this a this little bit. Motivate people to go and edit some videos and do something gnarly. Yeah, I mean, I'm just worried it's gonna do be a little Mr. bit bigger Bill than I anticipated. And that uh, I just, I'm just. Oh, you're worried we're gonna get too many videos. I don't think we'll get too many. It's just gonna be a little bit more flow than I was expecting. Like, just listen to people right now who are talking about making videos. If half the people who told me they want to make videos make videos, then right now we've got six, seven entries like well, that. Well, you're really lucky because more than half of the people I know who skydive are full of shit. That's true. <laughs> that is so. Yeah. You can count <laughs> more than half of them out of it. Yeah, and then another that. half of those people are going to try and give up when it's frustrating or difficult. So maybe, maybe maybe 25% of the people who say they're going to do it actually come through with an entry. That's what I think. <laughs> it's pronounced pull my Peter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Zing. No, she's the one who oh, told man, us. Yeah, she got it on herself. Yeah, she said it's pronounced pull my Peter. <laughs> hey, I've got a Peter. <laughs> pull my Peter. What do you mean 100 Wait, videos? Nick Reyes, are, you, are you single right now? Dude, I'm super single. Ladies. What's up? Not just like Mormon single, but like, you know, Christian, <laughs> Catholic. Uh, would would you say that you're one, Baptist, single and ready to atheist mingle? Atheist single. I'm ready, ready. Are you on Tinder? Uh, no. Bumble. No. Grinder. <laughs> Is that the right one? Did I get no. the gay one? I'm on. Uh, what's happening? I'm What's on, why, can't I, why can't I see the Something videos? Went I'm wrong. not on any of the the internet dating things. Well, you better apps. get on it. You're you're wrong, dude. I've got other things to get on. I, I well, don't, sometimes get off of. I don't care what you do with your owner. <laughs> Clint seems like a nice guy, but what y'all do in your I private time? I have no time? owner. No, the owner of your business, man. The business you work at. Clint, right? Who's Clint? What are we talking about, XRW? XRW. So, dude, you guys are docking. You guys are <laughs> docking like, a, like your parents like, conceiving a, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sometimes with your feet, sometimes with your hands. 
Your parents conceived you sometimes with their feet in the chair in, in the in the frontal area, sometimes in the rear area. Uh, but everybody's taking docs for sure. Dude, XRW. When I first started skydiving, wingsuits were still a thing of dreams. Wingsuits are things still people are trying to put together. Then eventually, a wingsuit and a canopy came together, and it blew our mind. And nobody is gonna do this. Like it'll happen once or twice here or there. It's pretty ridiculous. Now like, I I've got like fifty wingsuit jumps. Uh, now, granted, they're on smaller wingsuits, so I've never, I've never had a three-minute skydive. Uh, and by three-minute skydive, I mean a three-minute free fall with no canopy out. No, I've done lots and lots of high pulls. I've spent 20 minutes under canopy before um, after jumping out of an airplane. Um, and that's, that's cool and all, but, man, to... To fly with a wingsuit for you know two and a half three minutes is pretty cool, uh, long enough to uh, take selfies and then you know keep on going about your dive flows. That's pretty neat. So how how's the communication work? Like, are you guys able to talk to each other? Uh, you know, most of the wingsuit guys are flying full faces. Uh, I think if they were wearing half shells or an open face helmet, that we could communicate for sure. You know, like if if canopy pilot and wingsuiter is. Uh, wearing an open face helmet, I think we could definitely talk to each other because I definitely heard one of the wingsuiters scream at one point, and <laughs> one of the wingsuiters definitely heard me uh, being pretty vocal on one of the skydives uh, early on in the days. Uh, so that would have been Monday. Is anybody flying uh, fly sites in this camp right now? Um, mostly wingsuiters. I, I brought a fly site, but I never actually brought it on any of my jumps. Do, does, do you know any of the data as far as like when you guys are actually putting these together, when you're actually getting docks, do you know any approximation of forward speed and descent rate? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Clueless. I do not know these You're numbers. just going out uh, and tearing no, up the sky. Numbers as far as I'm concerned, uh, we would be doing at least 70 forward, um, because in a wingsuit, you can you, you look over the highway, you're passing up cars. Straight up, yeah. You're passing up cars. And, you know, that being said, you know, this is Texas where people drive 75 to 100 in a 65. So just the fact that you're passing up cars on 288, 288 is pretty neat. Um, also, the fact that you're jumping out of the airplane at, uh, we were getting out at 14.5 mostly. Thank you, all you pilots at Skydive Space Lane. That was fucking awesome. Jason and JP. Um, and jump runs were incredible. Everybody had a nice spot, but the fact that we're jumping out and pulling immediately and I'm getting eight minute videos, um, as far as, you know, pushing record just before getting out and just after landing, we're getting eight minute videos. So our skydives are lasting longer than five minutes and I don't know, you do the math, 14,500, uh, to zero in give or take five to six or five to seven minutes. And um, there's, so, there's sometimes some spiraling. There's sometimes some turning yeah, yeah. carbon. You're this getting all vertical depends on the jump. Right there. You know, if, if the, if the jump's a little bit more dynamic where we're doing turns and stuff, obviously we're going to get around faster, but whenever we're going in a straight line, getting out three miles away from the drop zone, just flying straight back and just working on taking docks and flying relative to each other the whole time. Um, these jumps are lasting over seven minutes long and it's, it's insane. 
For anybody who really truly wants to nerd out on some of this data, uh, I promise you we'll have some answers sooner than later. And part of it is uh, Anthony Zerbonia. Oh, yeah. Uh, the kid, he has agreed to come on and do the show with us at some point soon. And I'll bet money he'll end up having those stats and I'll actually kind of prime him ahead of time to ask him. Because I, sorry, I dropped the bomb on you on that yeah, one. Yeah, no, I really wish I had my fly site going. Um, I actually totally forgot about it. And um, every time I thought about it was whenever I was sitting on the airplane looking around and I see all these fly sites on the back of helmets. I'm like, I'm supposed to have one of those in my pocket. And I don't have one of those in my pocket right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, never. I, I don't have any fly site data myself. Ah, it's, it's all good, man. Well, I, I really wish I did have it because, I mean, I would be super interested to know what some of those uh, swoops were like. Uh, more importantly, but I mean, all the flying stuff in between is nice too, but I'm in it for the landings. You, you were one of the campy pilots. What's the biggest formation you've been on in the last three days? Oh man, we, um, it was a full load, um, out of the otter. So there was, uh, four canopy pilots and like 20 wingsuiters, um, 20 to 18 wingsuiters and everybody was decently close, um, enough to where like you look around and like. Well, we're we're fucking doing it right now. You're we're a mob. Flocking. You're rolling deep. We are flocking right now, <laughs> and it was really cool um, to experience and be a part of. Um, uh, I was set as base for this jump, um, so it was kind of uh, so exit. We're kind of following DQ. DQ is sorting out the turn of where we're going to turn around and start hitting this direction because everybody's getting out here, here, me, and DQ. And we fly our 45, and then we're judging the 180 off of DQ whenever he's ready for it. So I'm flying to DQ because once he does his 180, I'm set as base because I'm the smaller wing loading out of everybody else on the jump. So technically, everyone else has more range. Um so we start flying. Um, I'm in the middle. I'm looking at all of our canopy pilots, and everybody's decently close for wingsuiters to come and start piling in and taking slots. Um, and then I'm looking at everybody. We're decently on level. Uh, Anthony comes up. Uh, Zerboni. Uh, not Kimball, because Kimball was really sucking it up. <laughs> and... and um, he comes up, he's flying on his back, and I'm like, well, fuck, this is all flying really well. Come up and get a dock. <clears throat> so he starts to float up. We tried like two, maybe three times for a dock uh, in a matter of like 10, 20 seconds. Um, and then it's like, all right, cool. Well, let's let's keep flying with everyone else. So I look around, and I look over on the one side, and there's you know, like five wingsuiters on the one side and two canopy pilots. And then I look over on my right side, and here's DQ with like... 10 fucking wingsuiters around him. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> there's just this swarm of wingsuiters chasing DQ. And, it, and my eyes, they're just, it looks like they're just attacking him. They're just chasing this guy down, <laughs> hungry. <laughs> 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 and um, so I start to float back up to DQ. Fucking Anthony's floating up as well. And I look at every, everything's still super in place. This is awesome. And uh, eventually we break off. Everybody hits brakes, slowly fans off, and the wingsuiters disappear. And oh, it was that was really really cool. It was fucking awesome. Um, 
you know, it's definitely up there with one of the cooler jumps because it's fuck. There's like fifteen plus wingsuiters around four to five canopy pilots, and they're I, trying to catch DQ. Just <laughs> trying to catch up with us, and they're all chasing DQ. I, I trust that you guys have someone who's putting all this footage together for you for a, for an edit, right? Uh, I would imagine, but if nobody else does anything at the end of the month, I'm gonna throw something together of this month because I. So we started out here for this XRW event, and then I'm going up to Summerfest tomorrow morning. Um, so Summerfest will happen, and then I'm going to Lost Prairie, and then the Eclipse Boogie over at Rozier's place up at Skydive Awesome. Um, they've got a boogie going on. So uh, I've got four events um, over the next month, and that's all going to get smashed together into one big awesome video how's your boss dealing without you man he's probably on vacation since you're not there yeah no i don't mm, manager said it's all right he's like thank god thank sharny <laughs> you rock sharny's like get the fuck out of here i lost a headache for the week i'm good to go um dude it's so cool so what that that jump sounds like one of your favorite jumps from the weekends from the week no doubt yeah for sure it was awesome Put that one aside for one second, and I mean, I can't wait to see these videos. I can't wait to hear these conversations. I've, I've seen thirty seconds of clips probably three times this week, and every single one of them blew my mind. I, I did walk by once or twice and watch the like they're trying to build. I'm like, this is boring. I'm going to keep walking. I'll come back later. Um, but I've seen some gnarly flying. I can't wait to see it. Besides that jump, what is the favorite thing you did this week with XRW? Um. Taking the foot dock and surfing a wingsuiter is pretty neat. Um, it's it's cool in the way that like I just hooked my feet into the wingsuiter's chest strap, and uh, now I'm like fucking hang ten surfing the dude. You know, like do you feel I, your wing do anything yeah. different in that moment? Uh, yeah, it's super weird. Um, especially whenever they they press up on too. It's almost like I you're the wings definitely being unloaded, but at that point the wings kind of starts to go somewhere and so just like the fuck's going on like why is it doing this um one of them especially was whenever i was trying to get a surf dock from people's back so trying to hook up under their rig rather than on the chest strap um was really weird every time i was this is where the barefoot thing is a big deal right for sure that would definitely make it easier if you got your monkey toes under there and can dq likes to do do barefoot It, it, it makes perfect sense um, and he's got some like soccer shoes and stuff that seem to be working out really well for him, which is pretty neat. But, um, yeah, trying to hook up under, under the rig on the backside was, um, pretty difficult. And, um, every time they would come up to and I'm, it's gotta be just the fact that they can't see as much, but they are, they're pressing up into you. And I'm like trying to take this dock while they're pressing in legs super bent trying to fish my way under and it's like unloading the canopy and then you're, you're never going to make your leg straps even. I don't give a fuck what you do, how many times you measure your leg straps. They're never going to be even. Um, and you're never going to sit evenly in the harness for that much amount of time, especially if there's a wingsuit smashing up into you from behind, from under. And um, it seems like every time I would get on to it, get like, I would feel the pressure of the wingsuiter and the canopy would start to go one way and it's like you you have no you you had kind of almost have to go with it because you're being pressed up too and it's turning and you're trying really hard to do the opposite thing as you're going one way 
and is just really awkward and I don't have much of a clue why why we were turning the ways we were turning sometimes. Um, but taking the taking the chest docks, uh, granted, I only did that with Anthony, um, who has apparently a, a lot of experience doing that. He's an incredible back flyer. Um, they they all went quite smooth. Yeah, man, I saw some of Anthony's footage of him flying on his back, and I thought for sure until I saw someone else, I thought it was someone flying on their belly yeah. with a rear-mounted camera. And then I saw someone else's footage of him back flying the shit out of it. Man, I was impressed. Pretty, I, pretty I fucking incredible. Yeah, I didn't so know he he's was a gnarly flyer. Period, dude. The dude's sick. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the jumps, um, he dropped out significantly. Like I was looking around for him, and I couldn't see him anywhere where I had anticipated him for him to be. And it he trans he transitions a little too early and dropped way below. And as he was floating up. He expended a lot of energy. <laughs> it was so funny, too, because you can see we're trying to get this dock, trying to get this dock. And then one day, the uh, one day, <laughs> the one time he's trying to float up and you see him just <laughs> all this train in his face <laughs> trying to float up. And he wasted all of his energy just trying to catch back up to the skydive and bailed out and flipped over. And <laughs> it was pretty funny to see him just run out of energy and, and he, he couldn't float up anymore. Have have you seen a wingsuiter get into the burble of a canopy yet? Has that have you or have you heard? Have of you that seen happening? a canopy get in the burble of a wingsuiter? Yeah, either either one. I've seen some gnarly fucking footage. I definitely from Dubai. got close. Have you seen the Dubai footage of Pablo? No, dude. It's 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 uh, Pablo uh, works with PD a bit. Uh, is in Dubai, and uh, a friend of mine, Maxine, was showing me this video, and. The wingsuiters are a decent bit ahead. I mean, like a straight good bit ahead. And Pablo hits, and I'm pretty sure it was Pablo. I might be quoting this wrong because I just I watched this video very briefly in an in a uh, airport in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So uh, we were sitting, we were waiting for a plane in Chattanooga. So it was just it was we were just hanging out doing our thing, and the distance was unbelievable. It was a huge gap. You would think they wouldn't hit wake turbulence there unless you understand wake turbulence really well. And he straight up in one like his wings flying, he's good. All of a sudden, you get another perspective. It's like woof, it disappears. You slow motion it. You frame by frame it. The dude's upside down at some point, and his harness still his wings right side up. He ends up to the opposite side of the camera. It is one of the most violent, violent things I have ever seen outside of a true collision. It was effing crazy. See, to me, that makes sense that the wing would do something crazy. Just because of the way that the person's weight hangs under the wing and, mm-hmm. and loads the wing, and that's why I asked about the wingsuiter first. Is because they're still their weight is so much more attached to that wing. But think of about it's the wing loading. In the, what way? The wing loading is much higher on a wingsuit. Right. Right. The wing's also more rigid because a wingsuit has framing. A parachute has no framing. You are a frame. You are the fuselage. So. I don't know this, but in just my general thought process, the wing loading is much higher, which gives you a little bit more pressurization right, and rigidity. More rigidity yeah. But the human frame is straight up an airframe. So the 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 wingsuit, I think, is going to feel it, but I don't think it's going to suffer from that adverse effects that a semi-rigid, frameless wing, which is what a parachute is. That being said, a lot of proximity flyers are really worried about flying through the turbulence of their buddy on a wingsuit. Oh, straight up. I believe it is a legit issue no matter what. I just think the, the parachute... 
reacts more violently. I, I don't know. I'm making uh, yeah, it up. Well, see, totally yeah, making it up. Yeah, that's where the that's where the whole framework things comes into play. Because I mean, you're not a, a wingsuit's not going to collapse and and fold up like a yeah. Like well, a I mean, are they going to fall in to the wing of the of the canopy potentially? Like, it depends on the situation. I just want to know if that's happening and what it looks like. <laughs> I, I, he just wants um, to know the gnar. Dude, okay, freak uh, out so Friday. Here's some YouTube. carnage. So if you, if you so, come across footage of that, just send it my way. I want so know. on one of the jumps, we were trying to get a double dock. And um, the one wingsuiter uh, is supposed to take a dock on the right side first, and then the left wing, wingsuiter is going to pick up on. And they're all flying really tight, basically flying slots. And buddy on the right side comes in to take his dock, but he kind of drops in two rather than flying up right next to. Um, so I kind of take the dock here, pushes into, which is pushing me over this way. And then I look up and there's a wingsuiter, uh, which uh, what I remember with my eyes and remember just remembering the situation was a, a fucking wingsuiter inside of my lines. <laughs> and inside meaning touching them or inside like between your risers. Okay. Not between the risers, but on, on the outside, so let's call this the middle where I'm at. And Wingsuiter is just fully in the he's, mess he's of He's pressed lines. up against your outside lines. Uh, yes. And awesome. I'm like... That's so crazy. Okay, what's about to happen next? And he slides off of and disappears. His GoPro gets flung off. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Maybe I'll try to get this GoPro. Because I turn around, I can see it. And I look. There's not really a, go- uh, a Wingsuiter in the way of where I'm supposed to go. So I smash a turn, turn around, look for the GoPro, and it's gone. And we're two miles away from the drop zone. So I just turn around, keep on going back, try and get down so I can catch back up to my wingsuiters, and we keep on flying, and we keep on trying to get our double dock. <laughs> did y'all ever get that double dock? Uh, Near On any jump? No, I did. I never got a double dock. Did you take any hand docks during this camp? I did take some hand docks. So I was wondering, like Nick mentioned earlier, and when you guys were talking, when you were docking on the kid, which is Zambonia, which I could just, in my mind, I called him Anthony Zamboni for a couple weeks. I didn't say it to his face, but I couldn't, I, I saw his name, I couldn't pronounce it. I didn't know it was Zambonia. Um, the kid, maybe you didn't feel the pressure because, like you suggested, he's just a dope flyer. I he's wonder if definitely that, experienced. I wonder if the turns on the back flyers was because they were rocking a little bit. If, if you know, you say you cannot not really unload it evenly, but I wonder if somebody like Anthony or somebody with super high experience was able to take the back dock. If they, if you would have such that dramatic, hard to control unloading that you're talking about. So in the video of uh, the selfie, um, XRW dock, um, buddy kind of comes up from the bottom left and is more of a diagonal mm-hmm. approach rather than coming flying up right underneath and popping straight up. And on that one, he comes up. I start to rock this way. Obviously, since we're rolling over here, canopy starts to turn this way. And couldn't really correct much. So as he comes up to dock on this side, it rolls me off this way and we get corrected and we start going again. But um, yeah, yeah. With if When the wingsuiters flying on their back, they're looking directly at you. Now it's like it's the same situation as whenever you're on a track dive flying on your back and you have the rabbit. You just float. You float right up to that leader and you can put yourself into that slot. It's easier to you, see. You have a full, a full reference. Yeah. You've got full view of, of the skydive and what's going on. 
which is where on track dives, especially on big ways, if you're with new people, or when I'm with new people, I like to be first out and backfly because now I can watch the whole situation happen. Float up whenever I'm ready. If I want to transition, you transition. Otherwise, you watch the entire skydive play out. You're like, if I don't want to be part of that mess. Fuck that noise. If you're on your belly trying to look back behind you, this is kind of hard. One, it's an awkward position to fly in. And if you want to keep everything a good airfoil, you've got to keep your head in a certain spot where you're not doing one of these ones with your shoulders. Hey, beware of that mic when you look over your shoulder here. Those of you just listening to the podcast, uh, Reyes keeps looking around, illustrating how he's looking around our canopy. But listen to this for one second, Reyes. So I'm looking over my shoulder right now, and I'm looking all around. You hear that? Yeah. So it's a, But if you just be a little more aware. Sorry to bust your chops. And one quick thing. Uh, what is docking? My boy uh, uh, Lucas Watson, also known as Colbert Calbert. Uh, what's docking for uh, our Wuffo friends? Docking is uh, high-speed hand-holding. Holding hands, going fast. Holding hands, touching one another, and it's not gay if it's in the sky. It's not as gay as space docking. Or if it's in a three-way? What's a space dock? Space dock? Oh, that's a cock dock. That requires one of us to not be circumcised. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I'm not capable of space docking without a good friend. Are you capable of space docking? Uh, no, I need a friend. Oh, man. Nick, will you be that friend? Mr. P? Sorry, I don't have the necessary hardware for that. God uh, damn, all procedure. of us have been mutilated. Oh, all of our parents are religious. Yeah, they're, they mutilated us. So, unclean. We have clean penises, at least. Mm-hmm. Clean and, cock. And they don't, protect, they, they don't keep HIV in. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. So, really, the reason I found out that we're circumcised is because we live on a flat earth. And due to flat earth... Hey, do you know the earth's flat, Nick Reyes? It is. Uh, it's science. Yep. It is flat. Dude, look it up. It's fucking flat. It's totally flat. It's flat. Look it up. There's an ice wall that contains the oceans, and the Earth is flat. And so it works like Super Mario. Once you get to the end of the map, boop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's flip, flip it on over. <laughs> the world just is a cube, and it's flat. Um, yeah. You, are you aware that this is a thing? That pe- there's like a. It's mostly a YouTube movement. Of people who think that Earth is flat, flat Earthist. They they really yeah. We had some people that came through not too long ago talking asking me about who the highest I've skydived from. And could you see the curve of the Earth? Could you see the curve of the Earth? No, dude. That's more of something like you got to go up to the stratosphere to experience. Dude, from now on, when anybody asks me, "Hey, you skydive, bro?" Yeah, skydive. Did you see the curve of the Earth, dude? There's no curve, bro. There's not. It's flat. We can see the ice wall. Flat, man. I can show you video and look at my video. There's no curve to the earth, homie. It's flat. It's flat, motherfucker. You know, I did do I did do a high altitude skydive in Florida and could see from the east coast to the west coast of Florida. And I I thought you were gonna say of America. I'm like, you're on crack, bitch. (laughs) I could see from Florida to California. It was quite spectacular. Uh, It was in space. (laughs) So you could see from one coast to the other. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty neat. How high were you guys? Uh, about twenty four thousand. No, I mean, how much weed did you smoke, motherfucker? Oh man, yeah, man, we were twenty four thousand. When my high Um I forget how we got derailed and off that train track so quickly. Oh um, shit! So you keep docking. I asked. I had to ask a question for like, be aware of your mic. You're looking around. You're seeing where your buddies are at. You look behind you for a wingsuiter. We were somewhere in the wingsuit world. Um. You don't remember. Sorry, either. no. I was just reading this comment about docking. So, <laughs> oh, Luke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you, Do you know Lucas Lucas Watson? Do Dude, Luke is. Uh, he is one of my Destiny nerd friends. Oh, okay. And Luke and I okay. will be playing right. Destiny Childs together. We just finished the Destiny Child beta. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Lucas, uh, docking is any time that you uh, 
link with another person in free fall. So you could be holding onto their hand, holding onto their foot, grabbing onto their man bits, whatever it is. It's yeah. just uh, connecting with another person of some sort in free fall or uh, under canopy, I suppose. But read his comment, his last comment on my screen. Because we explained that on the podcast. And what did he say right there on your screen? He keeps saying it. All I can think of is that thing that you see when you look at too many things online. <laughs> Lucas is, we play a lot of games together, and you'll be gaming, and you just have to ask Lucas, are you playing porn in the background right now? Is that Luke? Are you, is that? <laughs> so he likes hey, to man, search well, the, whatever you like to look at. the dark web. You know, when you're gaming, you have that brief moment of like, everybody needs to go pee. Let's go five minutes. And all of a sudden you hear, ah, 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 in the background, it looks like, it's just donkey <laughs> porn, guys. I mean, the donkey. It, it's, he is, uh, he's my unique friend. I love you, Lucas. You're, you're, you're the shit. Hey, you keep doing you, man. That sounds out. <laughs> Lucas, he's awesome, man. Uh, he's lost like uh, 30 or 40 pounds, uh, Mr. P, in the same time frame. I've lost the 25 pounds. Sounds like you got some catching up to do. Uh, no, he had a little more catching up to do is the reality of it. Well, sounds now you're just making excuses. I am, man. I'm calling. It uh, sounds really weird with the headphones off, right? It does. <laughs> it, does. it sounds wrong. <laughs> Especially after you've been wearing them for a while. <laughs> Dude. Oh, so we started off with just a set of headphones for Mr. P so he could produce and mix the volume. And I thought maybe we'll get headphones one day for us because it can make us more mic aware. And he talked and convinced me into getting the headphones eventually over time. And uh, no, it's now I can't live without it. Dude, I love hearing you in my head. You sound like a different person. Dude, I sound I, like a radio. I can kind of hear myself. Hey, uh, I lost, and it doesn't uh, sound I like me. Uh, so wow. I, let's just, uh, oh, now I don't hear anything. Dude. <laughs> so Mr. P is over there fucking with our headphone mixers and completely shut the volume down. And for a second there, I thought my mic was dead. Uh, I was like, did we lose audio, Nick? Is this is this thing on? Is that, yep. Hooray. There he goes again. This thing is, is this on? You are. You are fucking with my head. So... <laughs> Now that we have these mics, actually, as much as you've looked around and been not super mic aware, it got way worse without these headphones. So, hey, buddy. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, man, we're doing all right. God, it's getting super weird. Can we talk about <laughs> something that makes sense? Thanks for calling 1-900-SEXY-TIE-BOY. All right, I well, know now, we know, now we know what all those phone bill charges are for DJ. Brayden was staying at <laughs> my house, and you know Brayden is TIE-BOY massages. Oh, is that why it's inside pan? <laughs> I lost my Tuesday night. <laughs> so, Nick Reyes, what are your goals with XRW? Hey, September. Survive. That's where I was wanting to go that. So, XRW, I, 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 you, you bring a good question. What are your goals for XRW? This is a camp, actually, what a lot of our friends to, didn't know. To be able to do it comfortably. So... Comfortably being not wearing 60 pounds of lead every time I go for a skydive. Because that shit's hectic. Is part of, I think the biggest part of that is just getting the wing the right size. Is that going to be part of the truth? Uh, yeah, true. But, like, I mean, a part of that is me being under a 57-square-foot canopy, which is, it sounds pretty incredible. It's insane. Um, I don't know. XRW, what I want to do with it is more of the dynamic stuff. So kind of some of the stuff that Ian and Kurt are starting to experiment with, with uh, like doing barrel rolls over... Do some peas and wingsuits. Oh my god, where your parachute's almost touching the the wingsuiter or canopy pilot. That's nuts. Dude, do you know who who has that video on Facebook? Who has some of the videos on Facebook? Do you know? I've seen Kurt doing some pretty cool stuff with um Mr. P, can you get that? Search that on yours and if we can find it, let's post it on, on the feed. Who am I looking for? That's you, Mr. Reyes. Oh, look at uh, a Kurt Bar Kurt Bar Palmier. Kurt Bartholomew. Kurt Bartholomew. Kurt Bartholomew. 
actually yeah, about man, to. He's put some really cool videos out with the XRW stuff, like just really aggressively turning at them and then busting a big old fat barrel roll where the canopy's almost touching. It's it's pretty nuts. I just, just the stuff that that kid's doing with parachutes is incredible. Dude, he, he's by a kid. I mean, look at that shit. Look That's at that. nuts. Fucking barrel rolling over each other. So fucking sick. Um, Kurt Bartholomew is uh, Team Alter Ego and U.S. fucking, like, world dope badass champion kind of guy. Um, and actually him and Team Alter Ego are about to do a little bit of a live feed. Yeah, that. That. That's the video. They're about Dude, to... getting really aggressive with some carving with a wingsuit. Holy smoke a donkey. You know, they're moving. My God. They're doing free fall stuff together. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, at, at these wing loadings, when you start turning and you keep turning, you can definitely get up to some pretty slow free free fall speeds. I mean, like uh, there was the video of Billy Sharman and Pablo Hernandez doing stuff where I want to say it was Pablo flying the cruise suit, the cruise track suit, um, carving uh, with Billy under canopy, just chasing him, just doing spirals, and they're. Just going incredibly fast together. I mean, think about that. If you're a skydiver and you're making a skydive regularly, which most of our listeners are, you're going out and you're falling at 120 plus miles an hour, depending on your discipline of choice. And then you pull a parachute to slow down and stop. These are guys that are pulling a parachute and then going faster. Yeah. And then keeping up with people in free fall. It's insane. It's, it's, it's madness. Ridiculous, man. I uh, when I first started jumping, there was you know nobody had anything smaller than 100 square feet. There was a couple guys with a 97 here and there. And then all of a sudden they got a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and uh, dude it just it's, it's pushed the edge it's, it's it's gotten ridiculous to the sizes y'all are flying. One of your goals is to get comfortable doing XRW. September they're having the main event here. It was really a goal oh, yeah, of that thing. This is a camp. Um, is that the beginning or end of end of September if I remember correctly. I actually need to get... Hey, DQ, if you're listening to this, brother, man, DQ, send me a message and let me know the dates of that uh, September camp, mainly because you know who I need to talk to. Um, TJ Landgren is coming to town for that camp, as you know. <gasps> TJ Landgren? TJ Landgren. He's so dreamy. He's your daddy. Um, <laughs> and I've known TJ uh, since like 98 or something like that. We we both were younger jumpers. And, uh, dude, uh, him and I have run across each other all over the world, just left and well, all over the U.S., left and right. And I actually want to get TJ on this on this gig. Come have him hang out for a day because you know TJ. He's loud. Dude, he's loud. He's rad. And he's got some dope stories. He's done some really cool shit. Um, are you going to try to come to this September event for XRW? It really depends on the dates. I kind of have to be in Moab for the Moab boogie. When's the Moab boogie? Uh, last weekend of September. Oh, so son of a bitch, you're fucked. Yep. Um, I don't um, know the exact dates off the top of my head. Like I said, hopefully DQ's listening to this and give me the dates. I'm going to tell you real quickly. I think it's the last weekend of November. I think those are the dates. November or September? No, September. You're yeah. No, I said the wrong month. But I just I just looked at that and I really I think that's it. Um, Why don't we just do this event in Moab during the Moab boogie? Because it's not Spaceland, and Spaceland's Shh. cool. When is well, space? then that's where the warm-up camp happens. Warm-up camp happens, you know, week and a half before the Moab boogie, and then we show up to the Moab boogie and just start ripping these XRW jumps over canyons. Dude, I, I've seen the video and the pictures there, man. That's I don't think that's a hard invitation to get people to believe in. But still not Spaceland. True. You guys are flying a pack. 
Uh, and otters. Oh, you guys got otters out there now? Well, we get an otter for the boogie. For the boogie. Okay, but normally y'all fly a pack. Normally we fly a pack. And that's newer because for a yeah, while you guys were flying what, what 82s? Mm-hmm. Um, it, all right, so you want to make this next camp. You're trying to make this camp. It would be really nice. Okay. XRW is badass. Uh, and I would definitely like to do get in, do it again. Do dig in, dig in, dig in, dig in. Words. Words, letters, sentences. I got some words in my head. Yeah. Um, dude, I can't wait to see because I actually lit talking to DQ. Hey, dude, how amazing was it to watch DQ this week be a fucking organizer, be a leader, and be a guy taking charge? How cool was that to see? And Good job, DQ. That was rad. Dude, that was dope, dude. DQ, uh, fucking mad props. Like, he has stepped so much up as a flyer, but he's also stepped up so much as a man and as a leader um, amongst our community. But uh, I was trying to tell Mr. P earlier today, and he respectfully said, hey, bro, I'm trying to listen to this briefing, which, sorry, Nick. It's okay. No, it was super cool, Rip. But um, watching you and DQ, man, y'all motherfuckers have grown the fuck up in our sport. You guys are no longer trying to uh, keep up with us. You're setting the ways for us. That's dope, dude. I watch you and DQ come up in the sport. And you guys are out there leading new shit. How does that feel? It's pretty neat. I mean, dude. That was cool. I, I, one of my earlier memories of DQ is him coming up and yelling at me for tracking up jump run, which what I remember, I don't fully agree with, but I mean, we probably weren't tracking up jump run. Hey, uh, that leads me to a uh, question I wanted to ask. The, the Nick Reyes who I saw kind of grow up at Spaceland was someone who was pretty notorious for breaking the rules. And who did it pretty... Now, were these rules I'll let you argue with me later, (laughs) but I think you're helping to prove my point about when someone would bring something up to you, the attitude you'd respond with. A little rebellious. (laughs) But uh, it seems like you've become a more responsible jumper in person. Was there there a moment where anything clicked that uh, inspired that change? Uh... Or am I just misreading and you're still the same shit? (laughs) S&TA? Clicked? No. No? No. Okay. Keep going. No, uh, no I was offered, but I uh, later declined because that shit's hectic. I don't want that sort of responsibility. But uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't feel like I remember where like a, a light bulb turned on where it was just like, oh, whatever it was I did yesterday was incredibly stupid and I pr- probably should not be that person anymore. Um, I think just as you go, you start to learn more about what you're actually doing and the magnitude of it, and you just slowly gain more respect for what's going on. So you're not invincible? Uh, no. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I will never die. <laughs> <laughs> because there is a unicorn in the sky. I mean, this is just a, a subject that we've talked about a few times with different... Uh, Matthew Peterson. ...guests on the show. With, no, just the... the how, how do we more effectively communicate the idea oh, yeah. of risk... And uh, endangering yourself and others to to new skydivers. Now, see, everybody's got their own idea of risk and reward. So everybody's got their own measurements of what they think is actually worth doing. Um, Like, I I think it's awesome to go jump off cliffs with parachutes, whereas, you know, a lot of people that have gone and do jumps jumps off the bridge are like, oh, base jumping's cool and all, but I don't think this is for me. The uh, the risk is definitely not worth the reward. Did Whereas, you just call me a pussy? I totally see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did do some bridge jumps, huh? I did five, and I'm a tourist. I'd like to do more, 
but I'm not dedicated. Or I'm a pussy. Now, see, that's it. But it also, I mean, there's also the idea of... For me, it's access. Access. Uh, what, what What are you actually presented to? What can you actually do with where you're at? Yeah, the legal um, risk is not worth the reward. You know, you don't exactly go to Texas to learn how to surf. Or if you do surf in Texas, you're not it's like, porn. oh, I'm staying here so I can surf the rest of my life because this is awesome. This is the most incredible surf I've ever had. Porn. Uh, yeah, sure. You surf porn. That's all it is. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> back to the helpful uh, response I'm trying to get out of you. As, as much as I want to go down another <laughs> porn hub. I did not say that. Yeah, name. you're going that way. I'm not going to. No, but really, like, what, uh, <laughs> what made it make sense to you that you started uh, viewing things differently? Um... And it doesn't have to be any one thing. I mean, it could be just the experience of uh, learning more and seeing more or uh, I think that's that's a lot up. of it. Uh, going to new places, meeting new people, hearing other people's stories, other people's jump numbers, amount of time in sport to get these jump numbers. Um, it's like, wow, my like. <coughs> so in Australia, there's a thing called a free fly crest. Which, yeah, please. Uh, if you are going to free fly with five people or more, you need a free fly crest. Now, I showed up to Australia with like three, four thousand jumps. And the person that was signing me off on my free fly crest uh, almost had 500 jumps. And he, he kind of put it into perspective for me. He's like, dude, you're way more qualified than I am to be doing these jumps, but. This is kind of what has to happen. We need, we need to do this jump so you can have a free fly crest, and then you can legally go and jump with more than five people on a free fly jump. And you know, I kind of started to think about it. it's like, wow, some places are are pretty strict on what you need to actually be able to do and the skills that you need to have, and actually go out and perform them for somebody for them to say yeah, cool, you can come and be on this skydive sort of thing. And uh, I don't know, it made me think more about uh, progression and what you should be doing to try to get to a certain point to, you know, be able to participate in some sort of a discipline of a skydive. Um, whether, it's, I mean, even even belly jumping, you're not just going to go and go do a 20-way skydive on your belly because you have your A license that says you're a proficient belly flyer. But you did that. Uh, that being said, <laughs> I was I was one inexperienced jumper on a 16-way skydive with a 16-way team. That was definitely don't anybody listen to this. Don't take that as a shot. That's a whole other story. We'll get back to that. <laughs> That's a super cool story. Let's not get away. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, like you know, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. You've got your A license. You can go and skydive by yourself, and you can go and skydive with uh, more or less whoever it is that you want to. Um, it doesn't mean you you should pick to go be on a twenty way skydive and and expect to do incredibly well, because you've only been flying with your instructor or coach. Who, yeah, sure. Your the idea is for the student to use the instructor slash coach for a base, but that instructor and coach is going to be giving a fair bit of help. To yeah, you don't realize that the person you've been flying with has been compensating for your less than perfect flying for the entire time. Exactly, and. That being said, you should probably, you know, take into consideration who you've been jumping with and how the skydive went. You know, if if you got if you got two big 
two A licensed skydivers, three A A licensed skydivers that can get together and go and do a five to ten point skydive together just as a three way, then you've obviously got a group of three people that are crushing because they jumped out of an airplane together and within <laughs> their minute they performed three different points, three different formations several times, you know. Um a lot of times on skydives, like a lot of our XRW stuff, we had we had planned a, a handful of things, you know, at least four different points or four objectives that we wanted to uh, have done. And we're repeating and repeating these jumps. And finally, we at least get close or successful. And then we kind of move on to the next thing. But it's like, um, uh, maybe you should have spent a little bit more time working on whatever it is that you were just working on before you try to move on to that next thing, you know? And so as, as a new skydiver coming off of an A license, you should probably be able to proficiently fly in your belly before you pick free flying. Because if you can't fly at a slow speed, how are you going to do at a high speed where things are a lot more sensitive and happening a lot quicker? Um, and just, I don't know, be mindful of, of, of what your abilities actually are and not what your expectations are. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And again, this is something I brought up real, <coughs> excuse me, real recently, that it's movies like uh, movies where the underdog wins, like <laughs> Mighty Ducks is the first thing that comes to mind. Of like in our culture, we see things like Mighty Ducks, and you think that just because you want it so bad that it's gonna work. The that secret. Is, that is yeah, the <laughs> secret. The what are the law, the law of attraction? All that shit. It's not real. Like you can't believe your way into like. Someone with 50 jumps trying to come on one of your XRW jumps. Like, you can't believe your way into that. Like, the people who are on those jumps are on those jumps because they've all put in lots of time, lots of jumps, and all have a lot of experience and are qualified to be there. But I think that some people, you know, they watch enough uh, stuff on the internet and they don't know enough to realize the wealth of information that they don't have and the skills that they don't have that they just believe that they're going to have their mighty ducks moment and they're just going <laughs> to kill it because that's the way that they pictured it in, in their head <laughs> yep. like oh, oh i can like the people that think they could just go jump out of an airplane and fly on their head like that just because you thought about it as a thing means it's going to happen you know and that should exist because i remember going through that phase but there was nobody there to tell me hey man this is not how it works like i was totally flying head down the earth was directly below me <laughs> yeah and i wasn't moving forward and or I, backwards and i wasn't backtracking up jump run like dq said. i don't know how you guys <laughs> opened up so close to me <laughs> i caught that you guys should have gave me more time in the door dude i so first of all those guys at this drop zone will always be mighty duckers to me from now on. There we go. And I will be I'm like, gotta figure out some of their names. Emilio, they're all Emilio from now on. No, aren't Emilio. you Emilio? You're the you're the co- Emilio's the coach. Emilio, <laughs> you 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 went there. You got Nia at the Roxbury, didn't you? Yep. Yes, <laughs> up top. <laughs> Man, I missed that one, dude. Nia at the Roxbury. Have you ever seen the movie? Yeah, I know the the head bobbing movie. I, I dated oh, a girl who was obsessed with that. Oh my movie. God, I'm obsessed with that movie. <laughs> and Emilio, who was it? The Mighty Duckman himself. Mighty Duckman. The Mighty Dutchman himself. <laughs> Duckman. 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 Because he was Duck- a Mighty Duck, yo. Oh, yep. No. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he tipped his hat to me, and guess who it was. The Emilio Estevez, <laughs> the mighty Doug man himself. I was there. I saw him <laughs> up top. 
You know that Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen are brothers? Yes, you know they that? are. And their well, father I'm is Martin, Martin Sheen. Sheen. Yeah. Also a made up fucking name. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And some the, people get to pick their names. And yeah, Emilio pe- Estevez, he kept his real one. And everybody else is coked out, just yeah. saying. Um, uh, fuck yeah, the mighty duck man. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but I, I struggle for a way always to like, what, what can we do? How can we approach it? What can we com- do to communicate to new jumpers that, Hey, this is a thing that like, there's a, there's a lot to learn here. Like, belly because, jump. Yeah. I mean, you can take them on a belly jump and let them see that they suck. Or but, you can go do a belly jump with them and have a rad time and no, be like, yeah, we just went for a belly skydive and you had fun. Right. But the thing, the problem comes but, down to, so first of all, I think you are your own worst enemy, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but when you were a young jumper, people were always trying to crush you and push you down. And we've had that conversation, and, and I'll say it time and time again, I think you pushed the limits, but I think you stayed within most of those limits. But I also think you were a unique snowflake who had its own individual crystal because you were better than the average person. I don't think you saw the issues that other people saw because I think you, A physically got the skill set quicker than most people but be what people never fucking gave you credit for some people did will 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 groves was one of the first people in the world to give you this credit well as a legend has helped me out in this sport more than most people he understood how much you understood that's the one thing i think right away you and i clicked on i talked to you about the decisions you were making and you obviously weren't being stupid about them i didn't always agree with your decisions but you understood the gravity of the situation, and every pun is intended in that. But you were supernaturally skilled. You supernaturally got it. So I don't think early on you quite understood the problems we saw because you don't see the issue because you actually were smart about it, despite what some of our friends would say, you're going to kill yourself. Now, here you are this many jumps later, and I'm sticking with Nick's topic here. This many jumps later, we're dealing with people. Let's say... At 300 jumps, you were good. And straight up, at 300 jumps, you were better than most. How good did you really think you were when you had 300 jumps? What did you think of your personal skill set at that point? Be honest. I thought I was the king of the fucking world, by the way. I was just having fun. You were just having fun. So you didn't believe you were good? Um, did you know you were good? I mean, I it was kind of obvious um, because... I mean, you make friends as you're going through the student program because most of the time as a student, you're only talking to other students. You're only spending time at at the green circle benches. You don't really venture in and hang out in the packing room. You're not allowed. It's yeah, it's, it's not your place. You don't <laughs> you know? have like, your stamp. I don't have a stamp. I don't. I don't have gear in there. I don't have any. I, I'm not going to pack a parachute. Why would I go and be in the packing room? Because it's AC. Outside of yeah, it's AC. You go and you spend your time in there, and you're uncomfortable, but comfortable at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you're uncomfortably comfortable, and then you leave, and you go back out, and you do your next test. You go for your next skydive. You finish it. You go home. Hanging out at the drop zone isn't a concept you have yet because nobody's like, oh, hey, what are you doing later? Come and hang out with us. We're going to have beers whenever we're done jumping. You go, you do your student jump, and you're stoked, and you go home, and you watch it 10 to 20 times. Um, I don't know if any other students do that, but that's exactly what I did. Yeah, <laughs> I'd go home, and I'd watch my video 20 times because it was fucking awesome, and I wanted to know why things happened when they did. Or I would watch my body position and pay attention to what it made my body do and kind of go from there. I think, oh, maybe I I could do this next time and this will happen. Because I've watched my arm move like this 20 times and this happened. 
So if I do that on the other side, it should do the same but different. Or if if I put a little bit more into it, it's going to make it faster. Or, you know, I just watch my skydives over and over again. And I'm a visual learner. Let's put it that way. Um, But, you know, as a student, you, you don't see hanging out the drop zone to be a thing. So you kind of got the gist that you were getting decent because you watched other students and you realized you were progressing in a way that not all of them understood. Yes. Is that kind of the gist we're getting there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And then you, you get back to 300 jumps. So at this point, you don't realize if you're good. You don't realize if you're bad. You're just out there having fun. And I hope you understand this. And, and, and you and I have enough history. You know I mean nothing ill by it. But a lot of people at that point perceived you as very arrogant. Did you know that? Uh, no, I, I didn't think I was like a cocky person. Or oh, I don't think you thought that. I knew you well enough. I don't think you were cocky at all. I think you were very confident. I think you deserved the confidence you had. Confident, yes. But yes. some people like, took you as arrogant and cocky over it. I remember going for a 20-way. Uh, we were building the Texas Star, and I said I wanted to be last out of the airplane. And... um. They're like, are you sure? I said, yeah, it'll be fun to dive down and, and then build on. And um, so we, we did the dirt dive and stuff like that. And they're like, all right, cool. Let's let's meet up with gear here in the next five minutes. Go and get geared up. And I show back up in jeans and a long sleeve thermal shirt and um, walk up to do the dirt dive. And they're like, you're not going to wear a jumpsuit. It's like, no, I fly in this all the time. I'm, I'm pretty happy. This sh- This should be fine. I mean... Nobody's docking on me. I'm docking on people, so I don't need grippers, right? And they're like, "Don't fuck it up." Like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's all. That's all good and well. Who said that to you? That did somebody say it to you that way, or is that just your interpretation of? That's the just me. Oh, don't, don't fuck it up. Okay, you sounded uh, like somebody. <laughs> uh, I, I don't actually remember who was organizing the jump. Okay, uh, it's probably who we think it is, but. <laughs> 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 but. Uh, Nick yeah, Locks. So. That's who it was. <laughs> it, w- it was definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Ways. Nick Ways. Nick Ways. <laughs> <laughs> Hydrate or die. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I didn't fuck it up and I wasn't the last person to the formation. And once it built, I popped up a little bit and waved to Liz on the other side of the formation. And, and she laughed and it was great. And we broke off and this guy was awesome. So at some point at 300 jumps, you had a knowledge of how good you were, or at least a thought process. You might not have thought a lot of yourself. You might not have thought it was a little of yourself. But you, you at, at 300 jumps, have a belief in your skill set. Yes. Today. Do you know where I was at when I had 300 jumps? Where were you at? What, what, what my goals were? Swooping. Going mm-hmm. fast. I, don't, I, I really don't remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm Video joking. flying. Video flying. I wasn't allowed to fly with a tandem until I had three, 350 jumps in a coach rating. Yeah. No. So at 300 jumps, I, I did the coach course. And got my coach rating, and, and I was like, yo, I want to go jump with tandems. And they're like, ah, no, 350 jumps, and then you can go and jump with tandems. But, Mr. P, how many jumps is it? Yeah, I get confused because every time you ask me this, the answer that I think I have is the right one, and then I second-guess myself and guess the wrong so one. I'll so I'll ask the question, but what is it? I want to say the written rules 
three hundred. So but, what people? But get because con- I want to say that, I bet it's the it's the other answer. I it's, think it's the written recommendation. It's three hundred. So where people get confused and where the misunderstanding comes in, I believe I understand, is to shoot video of a student. A tandem student is a student. USPA says you should have at least three hundred skydives, and a coach rating or higher qualifications, but with a coach rating 300 skydives and at least 50 camera jumps away from a student. So people quickly interpret that to 350 jumps. <laughs> but USPA also recommends you have how many jumps to put on a camera? 200. 200. So you could have 100 camera jumps before you have 300 jumps. So at 300, and 300 jumps, you can shoot as you can go fly with tandems. Do I think everybody's ready to fly with a tandem at 300 jumps? Absolutely fucking not, man. People think how hard could it be to fly with a tandem. And once you have the skill set, it's not that hard, but it's not always that easy, is it? Go out with a, with a mass of meat who can go up to 170 miles an hour in the first 10 to 15, in the 15 seconds, and then all of a sudden they decide, oops, we're going to slow down to 120 in the next 10 seconds. It, it's got such a variable fall rate that to stay with those varying speeds, depending on who the TI is, it's hard. Um, but That's the fun thing about video flying is that and no, no, no tandem is the same. I love... It's my, always different. My favorite part was watching the students' faces, dude. Watching them yeah. react. <laughs> watching them look around the sky and not even see me there. Watching them freak out. Watching them yell. Watching them scream. Watch, Dude, in my video, watch my first jump video. I'll show it to you at some point. There is a point in the video where you see me yell and actually give the, you know, the I love you in sign language and point down when I'm yelling. I'm like, bro, look down. It's awesome. I knew the video guy. He was a friend of mine who got me into skydiving. I've actually talked about him, Steve Barker, on this thing. And I told this professional skydiver who had thousands of jumps, who was my videographer and an AFF instructor who got me a sport, look down, bro, like he's never seen it. <laughs> so if you ever watch my video and you watch me point down <laughs> like that, I'm straight up telling Steve, look down, dude, it's sick. I don't I remember, remember exactly I said screaming it. my head off on my first tandem and thinking, I can't hear me. <laughs> J- I cannot hear me scream right now. This is insane. J- JP's behind you going like, shut the fuck up, kid. Shut the fuck up. It's just fucking skydiving. You <laughs> <laughs> just made JP face. Did you get uh, video on your first jump? I did. Who shot it? Do you remember? Uh, Boston. Oh, okay. So you got a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zing. my God. Yeah. Look at that smirk yeah, no. as you say that. <laughs> well, he shot a good video. <laughs> he shot an outstanding he video, man. He, he did, did a great job. Uh, it was nice enough that I wanted him to teach me how to skydive. Oh, snap, man. Boston taught you how to skydive. Yep. You were one of his first students. Uh, I don't. Yes, no, the math is there. I taught Boston how to be an AFF instructor. Okay. You were very early on. Like, I mean, he had been skydiving a while, but as far as AFF goes, you were early in his progression if that's when you learned. Hmm. You know, yeah, I, no, I, uh, February 2011 to August. And like, it was, it was pretty much he put me through AFF. And once we were past like nine or 10 jumps or whatever it was, then it was, you know, you should probably go jump with other instructors. He's like, I'm sick of you, kid. Get out of here. I don't want anything left to do. Quit holding me up. Why you always show up at four o'clock in the evening? Why why you hold me back from going home and spending time with my little Mexican girl? I got this little brown thing at home I want to spend some time with, boy. One of my one of my student jumps. It was me, Boston, and fuck man, he's a he doesn't jump anymore. Um He's a brown feller. 
I want to call him. I, w- I want to say Emilio, but it's not Emilio. Emilio. I think the name's just in my head. Are you guys brothers? No. Yes. Was, <laughs> <laughs> was there ever like an Ernesto or something or other? He, he looked like um, Rich, the loader. Ivan? Nope. Dude, have you ever noticed Ivan? But there was there and was Rich look alike. Yeah, a little bit. I, I, s- I see uh, a little bit different uh, shape, but I mean, they're both brown, bald guys with round faces. So yeah, there's a <laughs> yeah, they walk across the hangar with my half blind, but they can't <laughs> see totally well. I've more than once been like, eh, it's not Ivan. <laughs> oh, eh, it's not Rich. Yeah, uh, but no, they they sent an airplane with me in Boston and one fun jumper in the coffin when that used to be around, which is I'm pretty sure that's now a super caravan. Yeah, so yeah. a coffin is a caravan without windows. We call them coffins because you can imagine an jump plane with no windows really sucks. So <laughs> it, it gets, I mean, we'll basically sit on the floor of the sky van with the sky van door the closed the whole time. That was kind of a coffin. I love that picture. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. P. Mm-hmm. You, you. Uh, Debbie, I will send you a picture of your daughter with earmuffs on just, just so <laughs> you can have that for argument's sake and you can tell her story when she's 18. This is before I let you listen to your dirty, dirty uncle say dirty, dirty words. Dirty, dirty. Dirty, dirty South. All right, back on task. Here we go. Back on task. So you at 300 Jumps have some realization. See how he does that? Some realization of your skill set. Good job. Today, do you think what you thought of yourself was realistic? Uh, No. After I started skydiving and was watching Swooping, I'm like, man, Swooping's awesome. And started to understand wing loading and canopy size and stuff. It's like, wow, like... uh, I don't know how you guys can even perceive that and keep your mind on to actually get that sorted out. Thank you, Mr. P. <coughs> so I want to real quick, I want to stop right there for one second because this this for, for myself, for Mr. P, and even for you now, this is a valuable conversation because uh, it's a scary thought for me, but I am a leader in the sport somehow, somewhere. It's got to be a scary thought for you. Uh, and Mr. P, I know it's not our favorite thoughts, but we are leaders in our sport now. How do we convince these young jumpers to understand what we're trying to tell them? Because at 300 jumps, I'm trying to tell you, bro, you're not as good as you fucking think you are. And at 300 jumps, it didn't take much arguing with you. You actually, at 300 jumps, I'm like, hey, man, you need to check yourself. You and I had regular, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think our conversation was regularly productive. You know, I I did stuff that I would get talked to for, for sure. Um, And... Looking back on it, I feel like I was always pretty receptive. You were extremely and receptive unless somebody was a douchebag to you. If, and yep. then you shoved it in their face. You did. Remember the I'm very much a person that's like, you know, I, I, I'm going to go and prove you wrong. I'm like, I, it's, I didn't blame you. Tell me not to do something. Well, I'm probably going to go do it and show you that I can. And you did. Sort of thing. <laughs> and that's just kind of how I am. Like, if, if you're going to doubt me, I'm going to prove you wrong and very kindly say fuck you so i want to take a man we, we keep sidetracking this whole conversation but i want to use that right there um i wasn't going to tell this story because you and i've told the story enough recently but i'm going I'm to use it again and you know the story so nick ray as you were jumping a specter 150 if i remember correctly mm-hmm. um some people would say it was an aggressive choice for wing loading because of the size but i think you were on a safe wing load at that time and i had no objections to you flying a specter 150 uh, i think that's uh we want to start that with the stiletto Stiletto. So well, I thought st- you were on the Spectre first and then went to the Stiletto. So I was still on rental gear. Okay. Uh, they, there was like a, a 150 Saber 2, and I jumped that a couple times. Okay, so then, you were on a 150 already? Yep. Okay, keep going. And then somebody uh, on Drop Zone, I found a 150, and it happened to be a Stiletto, and I was like, yo, 
I'm just off student status. I'm looking for a canopy in the 150 range. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is the perfect canopy for you. This will be awesome. Okay, cool. Sweet. Thanks. Buy this fucking stiletto. Uh, go to hook it up, and that's where you start getting... So first of all, our boy Will helps you out. Will sees this going on, and I think Will sees what I see. And Will sees this isn't the best idea, but you and Will met at the skate park. I met Will at a... Uh, I, Kind of sort of skate park, mostly parking garage. Like we would go skate park, longboard parking garages because that's the only sort of significant downhill you're going to get. Our biggest hills in Houston are fucking overpasses. Overpasses, exactly. Yeah. So when you can find a, a parking garage where you can you're ride cool, down dude. for a while. I used to ride parking garages. I rode to parking garages in India. Dude, I have fun. They're, they're a good it's time. It's cool. It's a good time. You get momentum. Oh, yeah. So Will took an interest in you, and Will was helping you, and he was like, dude, if you're going to do this, this is how you're going to do it. If you're going to do this, you're going to do it the right ways. And I think Will was giving you good guidance. And then I saw it, and I was like, yo, bro, let's talk about this. And I'm pretty sure, and please tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that in our conversation, I convinced you it was a better idea to get more experience on a different wing first before you got on it. I also believe that, and I think I told you, if you get on this, I think you're going to be okay, but why not learn more another way? And I think I had you at the edge of committing. Is that true? Did I have you yeah. at the edge of committing? Yeah. I, I need to confirm this because I've always thought I had. Like oh, I'm yeah. like, this kid's listening to me. Like, fuck yeah. Who says he's a dumbass? And one of our friends walks in, puts his hand over your head, and says, who thinks this kid's going to fucking kill himself with 150, uh, 150 square foot? I mean, just berated oh, so you publicly. Says, hey, who, who, who in here would jump a yeah. 150 stiletto with yes. uh, 50 jumps or less than 50 jumps? And um, dead silence. Nobody said anything. And he's like, oh, yeah, you see, nobody would do that. You're going to fucking kill yourself. You're going to pound yourself into the ground. And then what did you do immediately thereafter? Uh, Will asked me, me, do you still want me to hook this up for you? And I'm like, fuck, yeah, hook that up. I just bought it. Like, it's a 150. It's massive. The wing loading isn't insane. What's the worst that's going to happen? And Will talked to me about the canopy. Look, it's going to be super responsive, blah, 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 this and that. The openings might be a little hectic. Um, this is what you should expect. And flew it around, did a bunch of practice flares. It felt awesome. It was a really fun canopy to fly. Super was, fun wing. It was incredibly responsive. You tell it to turn, and it turns. And you can do, like, fucking barrel rolls and shit. Like, on a 150, yeah, you really shouldn't be able to get up and over your wing like that, you know? Um, so, I was like, Yeah. Hook that up. I'm going to go fly it because... So, because why? Because he told you not to. Partly because he's such an asshole about it. So I want to take... it's like, you're going to pound in. So it's like, all right, cool. Let's go show him that I'm not going to pound in and very kindly say fuck you. So is it... And eventually you actually reverted back to a Spectre 150. You actually eventually took a more Um, docile choice. Yeah, so, well, this... This was partly because I was grounded from flying that canopy. So I was coming in, and I was super high. Even on my downwind leg, as I'm flying downwind, um, I noticed, like, it, this canopy is carrying. I'm not losing altitude significantly. And there's nobody around me, so I'm going to do some S-turns. And <clears throat> granted, they were kind of aggressive S-turns, and it's basically what I would call a wing over. Um, basically just a, doing a 90 doing a 180 and then a 180 mm-hmm. and a 180. So where you get up and over the wing, putting yourself in the corner more or less, flying out and up and over. And um, they weren't super stoked on that. And I completely understand because if I see anybody flying like that in in a landing pattern, I'm going to go and talk to them and say, hey, 
Uh, maybe don't do any big turns while you're on the landing pattern because, you know, everybody's supposed to be flying predictively and starting to configure to a landing pattern so we can have a nice orderly landing and everybody can conform and have their own airspace. Um, so I completely understand being talked to, but being grounded from the canopy, not so much. So it, that kind of leads back into it. I believe it's possible with reasonable conversations and adult treatment, which I, that's how Will treated you. I believe that's how I treated you more often than not. I'm guilty of being an asshole sometimes. I can open that up. But we had a chance of getting you to do what we thought was the best thing for you. And when somebody yelled at you, berated you, and publicly demeaned you, suddenly you were like, fuck that. That's part of what made you jump that wing. True, uh, yeah. true statement. Yes, very. And that's the thing that, first of all, my homies watching this, my homies listening to this, man. Um, DQ and I are, are kindred spirits, and, and you and you knows us long enough. Know us long enough that both of us want to look at you and go, "What the fuck is your problem? You're fucking retarded. Your parents should have been inbreeding. You need to cut off two of your fingers and toes so you have an even amount of ten because you're inbred and dumb." But we know that doesn't work, and it's like, "Hey, bro, let me help you out." Again, I'm not always successful at doing it that way. But, man, to my friends who are going out there and your first response is to yell at a kid, you're living proof that it doesn't work. As a matter of fact, he got the opposite results he wanted by doing it the way he did it, being whoever he is. Um, it's, I mean, uh, if you go and talk to somebody about something that they've done, uh, hey, why are you doing this? Because of this. Okay, this is why you shouldn't do this. Not hey, what the fuck are you doing? Quit flying like an asshole or quit being an asshole because there's no real explanation. Yes. There's no real like, hey, you you probably shouldn't do this because this is a possible outcome or this is what it looks like from the outside. You know, if you give somebody more of an outside picture of what's going on, they should get a better idea. Uh, this is all circumstantial given person to person because some people don't exactly take criticism too easily mm-hmm. um, or are just able to accept the fact that they might have done something wrong. Or are completely so unself-aware that they don't realize how what they really are. And I think that's kind of where Nick's getting into, and we'll, we'll dive further. But they don't all receive it the same. Yeah. So one of Nick's questions, I think Nick's major question is, is how do we help these young dudes and these young gals with 300 jumps get over their ego and their attitudes? And we got sidetracked, and I think the first sidetrack is what you just said, the delivery, the delivery. We talk about it all the time, man. Hey, bro, can I help you? Can I give you a suggestion? Can I give you a hint? When you wanted to jump that Stiletto 150, I said, I don't think it's the best idea. I don't know how I phrased it, but I didn't tell you you can't do it. I told you let's figure out how you can fairly reasonable statement is that Hmm. about what you remember yep again this was a while long conversation ago and we had way too many entertaining conversations since i remember talking more about the canopy characteristics and how it's different from what i was on before Uh and how how it is a more high performance wing whereas it's not exactly in the high performance category uh high performance canopy category uh outside of being an elliptical canopy and by the way, anybody listen to it, I will tell you right now, I believe a stiletto is a high-performance canopy. I don't believe it's an ultra-high-performance. It um, and, and that's the thing with you. I firmly believe in a simple statement. 
if I educate this young man, he will make better decisions. I don't think you always make my decision. I don't think you always agree with my decision, but I believe in educating. You can educate a young man or a young lady, or you can school them. And our other friend schooled you. And how'd that work out? Not very good. So the first thing, Nick, that like Mr. P, Nick, the first thing I kind of say to answer your question is how do we help these young folks? It's the same way you believe in it, and I watch you approach it daily. Let's educate them. Because I know in the loading area when you hear like, I'm a solo free flyer and I'm working on my heads down because like if you said heads down, you probably shouldn't even be trying it, bro. Um, I'm working on my heads down. And you want to say, what the fuck, retard? Instead of going that, you're like, hey, man, so let's think about something. You, you definitely are on the education factor. True statement. Yeah, I would agree with that. I try and uh, just to... Just to try and seem like less of a threat, I like to ask a few questions. So ask them to see what they know. And uh, then my response is going to depend on what they tell me. So uh, one really easy question for me with a uh, solo sit flyer is, hey, man, so what, what direction are you going to face in free fall? And so, so I might even preface that with, hey, do you know what direction jump run is? And they say, yeah, we're flying to the north. Cool, awesome. What direction are you planning on facing on your jump? And if someone's been talked to about it already and they know, they're going to come right at me with the right answer. They're going to say, I'm going to face perpendicular to the jumper. I'm going to face 90 degrees off. I'm going to look at the freeway. I'm going to look at the swamp. And I'm like, cool, this, this guy's at least had this conversation with somebody. He at least knows a little bit of information about what's going to happen on this jump, and hopefully he understands why. And I guess my biggest, my biggest concern is that I care that he knows what the right thing to do is slightly more than I care that he fully understands the why. Because if he's doing the right thing, if he knows what the right thing is to do and doesn't really fully understand the whole backsliding thing, that matters to me less because he still knows the right thing to do and is is safer. Sure, I would absolutely help him understand the why, but uh, I think that uh, that why could be lost on a, on a, a new fun jumper, even someone who thinks they're ready to start free-flying. But uh, I guess I try not to have canned responses. I try and listen to what they say, and then I'll give them my feedback based on, on what their answers are. And for those of you who hear these conversations from Mr. P, from myself, from even Mr. Reyes, and you say why, unfortunately, it takes a little bit of knowledge to get a little bit of skill. It takes a little bit of skill to get a little bit more knowledge. It takes a little bit of knowledge to get a little bit more skill. It takes a whole hell of a lot of both to understand why. So sometimes the why will do our best to explain but definitely take it as friendly advice. So part of Nick's answer is how we approach it. And I think everybody sitting in this room does a job, a good job most of the time of approaching it well. But back to the statement, when you had 300 jumps, you had a belief in your skill set. And you've already told me. And straight up, I'll tell you right now, I hope you can still leave my house. I hope you can still fit your fat head through the door of this office after I say this. You're one of the more natural flyers I met. That door's pretty small. It's pretty small for your big fat head. Uh, dude, JV and all fit through that door. We're good to go, dog. I think I'm okay. <laughs> I love you, J-Dog. <laughs> I love you. Um, no, dude, you definitely are one of the more natural, talented, skilled young flyers I had ever met. And so you're one of the better I met at 300 jumps. And today... Do you believe now, in hindsight, you were as good as you thought you were? Um, yes. You do? I, I, I'm, I'm a little shocked to hear that just because I, I listened to you talk. When we did your AFF course, there was a lot of humility in you th there, which some people don't believe they'd actually see. 
And that's because they haven't got to fucking know Nick Reyes. You're a very bold personality. Yeehaw, have fun. You know, let's go, friends. Yeah, serious Nerds. stuff is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not something I do all the time. Yeah, but you're very good at it, by the way. And, and I get to, I get to see that. So what would you tell the average person with 300 jumps now that you have hindsight? Now that, like Nick asked, what did it take for you to get where you're at? What would you tell the average person with 300 jumps to like, hey, bro, you need to cool your jets. You're not as good as you think you are. Hey, hey, girl, I know you have 500 jumps in your D license, but you're not really a master skydiver. Hey, bro, I know you hit triple digits. You're not a god. Um, hmm. Uh, we've got one of those at our drop zone. Hey, Mike, closer. Uh, we, we've got one of those at our drop zone. I'm just trying to think of what I try to tell him. It's mostly a lot of, of like, um, you know, just have more respect for what's going on, uh, the people around you. Um, and, you know, that doesn't always go with jump numbers, but with time and sport and then ability. Um, what have you actually seen someone do and what have you heard someone talk about? Because if you've never heard, if you've never actually seen anybody be on a skydive that takes real ability and real skill to be a part of, then uh, why are you listening to them tell you about how to fly? If you've never seen anybody, you know, take a handful of docks on their belly or take a handful of docks in a sit or in a or flying head heads down um, <laughs> then what are you why why are you listening to them if you've never seen anybody, anybody be on on a big way especially if somebody's on a big way of any discipline of flying then whoever's organizing organizing the jump obviously obviously believes that this person is capable of flying a slot and staying in that slot and flying this position, whatever it may be, whether it's a head down, sit fly, angle fly, belly jump, whatever it is, whoever's organizing the jump believes that this person can fly their slot and is not worried about them piling through the base or the formation of the skydive. So if you don't know anybody that can actually do that or has ever done that, then you shouldn't be listening to that person. You should be finding somebody who has been a part of such a skydive and can do these skydives and then listen to them talk about how they go about flying and jumping and everything else in between. And how are we? How are we? How, how is Mr. P? How is DJ Marvin? How are, how are these folks? How are we going to break through to these young jumpers and convince them? I, so do you know what myopia is by technical definition? Opium. Myopia, not op opium. Op Red rock opium. I mean black tar opium. I mean uh, myopia. <laughs> myopia is nearsightedness. Not myopia is the technical or clinical term for nearsightedness. I wear these glasses glasses because I am myopic. So for me, myopia is not really a clinical word. For me, myopia is, is a word that I've I heard a long time ago and used 
in people who are nearsighted as far as you have an unrealistic grasp on reality. Like when somebody, you know, here comes Nick Reyes with a hundred Scott. I was going like, bro, I totally should shred a Valkyrie 84 right now, dog. You'd never said that. I'm like, bro, you're so fucking myopic. You are so nearsighted. You can't fucking see anything past the front of your nose. You're so nearsighted. So myopic is more of, of, of again, a clinical term, but I use it regularly referring to your inability to see the truth. Your, your vision is so blurry. And I think as young jumpers, we have a myopia of our skill sets that we only see what's right in front of our face skill set wise. And we don't see the great, huge picture in front of us because right now, man, I'm a better belly flyer than I am anything else because my bills demand it and they mandate it. That, that's, that's how I make my living. I suck. I mean, like I, the better I get, the more I suck. Well, see, that's all, that's, that's all circumstantial. You know, that's it's a, a, what what do you think a skydiver is, bruh? Dude. Or yo, a, a white know, boy with dreads. Hey, what do you what do you think a skydiver is? Yeah, like who is a skydiver in your head? A dude who lives in an RV and eats ramen on a fucking <laughs> rundown RV park in the middle of fucking crack town, Rocheron, USA. Um, so how do we get to these myopic kids? How do we convince these people? And that's back to Mr. P's original statement. How do we get to these young jumpers? And I hate to say it, man. Dominantly, fellas, ladies usually ain't an issue here. How do we? How do we crack through? You're you're the newest to this from all of us. True. Um. Hmm. Good question. Um. Go and do a basic skydive with them, and hold a base, and see if they can actually accomplish what it is they need to accomplish. But then you land with one of these guys or gals and you say, hey, look, bro, you did a good job. And there's no doubt they did a good job. But you can say, look, these are your gaps. These are your weaknesses. No, I had it covered, bro. And there's guys out there who have it covered. There's guys out there who no matter what you warn them, no matter what you say, them, no matter how much you participate with them, they got it fingered the fuck out. How do you deal with it, man? Yeah. Welcome. That, that's part of the reason you said no to that SNTA appointment, isn't it? Yep. So, um, Mr. <laughs> Mr. P, here's an amazing little fact. I don't know if you knew this, but Mr. Reyes was offered the position of SNTA, and, and for some of our friends, SNTA stands for Safety and Training Advisor. A Safety and Training Advisor is a USPA appointed position. It's appointed kind of like you know your appointed Sir Elton John. You're dubbed. Um, the SNTA is appointed by your local regional director in cooperation or, or agreement with a local drop zone owner. So your local drop zone owner and regional director, maybe, I don't know how far it went, was interested in you becoming the local SNTA. Yeah, no, mostly the owner and, and manager uh, for this year. Um, Mike. Uh, mostly our owner and manager for this season asked me if I would like <laughs> to be the SNTA. And I said, sure, that's acceptable. And then later said... No, this is not acceptable. I don't want to be a part of this responsibility. You go from one extreme with a mic to the opposite. It is so awesome, man. <laughs> um, I, I think I told you, you asked me about SNTA. What's it involved? What should I do? What, what do I do? And I actually, I think I told you, I've turned down SNTA appointments three or four times in my life before people stop offering it to me. Because right now, Mr. P is a video guy. He has no official... Uh, do you still have a coach rating? Nope. I have no ratings other than my pro rating. So Woo-woo! what stops this fellow right you now... Do you have pro rating? 
Yes, yeah. he does, Fuck man. You. you don't have a pro rating? No. Why not? Paperwork. Okay. Because I know you got the skill set. I I got zero doubt about that, I've, dude. I've got display rating, which is kind of like a pro rating for Australia, but... Yeah, I recognize display rating. American. Got way too many Aussie friends, man. I understand yeah, that man, shit too it's, much. It's, uh, so you know, bogan I, of you. I got it all signed off whenever I was leaving to Australia because the places I was going to go and work at was landing on the beach. Uh, so you have to have the display. And... Um, I I didn't do it for the American side while I did it for the Australian, which was kind of silly on my part. You're a silly young man sometimes. But back to it, man. I mean, Mr. P, have you figured out how to get to these people? I mean, I, I like your thought of, of education, and it's a lot in how you approach them. <laughs> but uh, there are some people who they're they're really willing to listen as long as you're giving them free coaching almost or advice or uh something that some people have to pay for if they're getting if that's what they feel like they're getting out of you they're totally on board but the moment that you uh come in with that but of hey uh you know whatever the thing is that may have sparked the conversation on Mm -hmm. the side of the person who's more experienced when you get to make that point some people just really shut off and uh you remember our, our friend vu he, yes, sir. He, he's the he's the person who stands out the most as the example of uh, someone that I had this this issue with the most recently. As uh, and I don't remember what he was doing, but I remember talking to him in the loading area, and uh, went over uh, a few things with him, and he was really listening to me as long as I was just giving him information. And then I said, but the uh, the moment I, I mentioned, yeah, you should really uh, think about getting coaching. And having someone come up with you, I saw the the look on his face changed. Everything about his body language, and I could just tell he went from listening and paying attention to being like, "Oh fuck yeah. this guy," and I don't know for sure with him if it was just a money thing that he didn't want to pay for a coach, or if it was just like, a, "I don't want any, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do because I'm super fucking good." I don't, I don't know what it is, and I think that that's kind of different with uh, with every person, and I don't know how. Uh, I think it stands out in my mind because I didn't see it coming, how fast the switch happened, because I really thought I had him listening and had him paying attention, and that he was going to be on my side of what, I, of what I had to say, and then I lost him really quick. So I don't know what I... I honestly don't know what I could have done differently to, to keep him listening. So I, I think that it's different from, from person to person, but it's just... It's still... Even though the exact response is different, I think it's uh, an overwhelmingly common phase that almost everyone goes through when they're learning to skydive it's that you you know you you've done it enough times to know that yeah i can do this and probably be okay at the end so i'm not afraid of it anymore and uh the kind of uh, little people big sky theory that you don't uh, because the, the because the sky is so big and we are so small it's hard to know what failure looks or feels like especially when you're going out and doing a bunch of solo free fly jumps it just feels like you're fucking killing it right like oh I was I was upside down I was I was flying <laughs> on my head or even someone who down. who learns how to fly upright with like myself I learned to fly upright by myself no coaching terrible backslide took me forever to fix it and I feel like I'm still a, a weaker upright flyer because of those fundamentals you know and uh, I don't know what I would have listened to I think maybe if the maybe if the guys who I thought were cool guys had a real sit down with me and were like, Hey man, like this, this is how it goes. These are the steps you need to take. This is, uh, this is what learning to do this free flying stuff looks like. I think I would have listened 
but there wasn't really a bit, you know, there, this is this is 11 years ago. So free flying was a thing, but there wasn't a lot of structure in there of, of how to teach it. And there weren't a lot of people at the drop zone doing it. It's just the coolest thing I could find on the Internet on, about skydiving, you know. You just watched and, Anomaly. And yeah, got absolutely, dude. Absolutely, I did. And, uh, you know, I just thought that, I mean, pretty much exactly what I described earlier about, like, I just thought because you could think of it, that that meant you could go and, and just do it in the sky, you know? Like, yeah, I want to I fall upside down. Why is that so hard? Learning to fly on my belly wasn't all that hard, you know? And so I think that there's a just a big disconnect of the way that... It's like we have a great structure, especially at Spaceland, for, for getting someone to an A license. And even the mentor program is a great structure for how to keep learning after your A that license. That awesome. But there's not really a thorough set in stone written down anywhere uh, list of prerequisites or experience or any sort of skill or knowledge base that, hey, you should do this before you start free flying. And it sounds, I've, I've heard uh, Ken talk about the, the free fly crest also in Australia. And so it sounds like they're maybe a little ahead of us in addressing the fact that there's a problem, um, which to me scares me even more. Is it's like it's obvious there's a problem. Other places to try and fix the problem. I don't know how well that works for them in in Australia to keep people from being overly ambitious and learning free flying, but we don't have any of that here. And so it's like there's not you don't have a lot of ground to stand on uh, officially in that conversation with a student. Of like, hey man, you you uh, you might not have the experience to be doing some of the things that you're trying to learn right now. There's no, I can't point to anything in a book. I can't, uh, you know. There's no real structure of of what they need to have uh, figured out beforehand. But I mean, I would tell someone, hey, yeah, once you can fly on your belly, you know how to approach a formation, you know how to break off, and that stuff is becoming, you know, pretty automatic. Then maybe we can translate some of that stuff into free flying, because there there have been. I mean, I, I've absolutely taken uh, free fly, sit, you know, sit fly students before they were good enough to be doing it, you know, because they were looking for coaching and uh, they were going to go sit fly anyway. So you go with them <laughs> because it's, I mean, it's, it's safer and hopefully you're going to give them something useful. Sure. But, uh, but now instead of just trying to teach that person a new body position and new orientation and, you know, all the other things that go in with, you know, shorter free fall, different place in uh, uh, the the landing pattern. Maybe you're exiting in a different place than you're used to over the drop zone. There, there are a lot of things you can talk about. But now you've got to go into approach and, and break off and a lot more of the basic structure of how group skydives work that is way easier to learn on your belly. And now you've got to get give them free flying and all of that stuff. And it's just it's just too much. Like when someone... Uh, is struggling to even stay upright. Yeah. And now I'm going to try and teach them uh, the fundamentals of breaking off, which you get a little bit in the in the student program. You get the fundamentals of the, the idea of it, but until you've put that into practice in a, in a group skydive, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, it's not it's not habit. The, that, that's, those safety parts haven't become a habit. And uh, sorry, I'm sort of rambling here. Uh, just what we do. But I think, I think uh, you know, when... Hey, when you, point when you, it at your face. It's not ice cream cone, it's a penis. <laughs> He's when licking you, the mic. When you come to a new skydiver and you're going for that first jump with them, uh, the question that's usually asked as soon as you meet the person, hey, I, uh, I'm Nick, we're going to go skydive together. Uh, what do you want to do? What do you want to work on? Um, 
a lot of times students say, I, I, I don't know, I just want to go skydive and I want to have a good time. And what, what's, what's your response? You know, and that's what's going to in, influence them on their next skydive. You know? there's, there's no doubt about it. I think the thing that you keep coming back to this equation is something that I think we, we all believe in is the biggest thing we can do to affect these people is educate and train rather than anything else. And there are so many people who who nitpick and bully and talk shit about, well, education and, and training is not making the difference. Well, maybe it's because the way that you're educating, maybe it's the way you're training. As I've been accused of in the past, maybe it's my delivery. Maybe I'm not the best w- way of delivering it. And I think that's the thing that you keep emphasizing the most is, is the teacher's delivery. I think it's, you know, like, if I, nobody wants to belly fly because there's, there's not a whole lot of excitement that comes along with belly flying. I mean, yeah, sure, we're skydiving, we're doing formations and stuff, and building stuff, but there's no, like, there's no real dynamic parts during a lot of belly jumps. You so know. just real quick, I, I do I, I do have to say that's not a hundred percent fair statement because there are definitely the personality types out there that are totally attracted to the fundamentals of belly flying. How long does that that come around? Uh, regularly, and they're usually older than you. How short is our attention span? Again, regularly, but they're usually older than you. <laughs> we'll see. What what are mo- how what's the age group of most people coming to learn how to skydive right now? It's across the board. It really is. You'd be amazed at the age group we're seeing at Space Now. Obviously, younger is going to be a little bit more, but it almost seems like the most... We see tons of people in their 30s learning to skydive because an 18-year-old kid learning to skydive, let's be real, man. This is not a fucking poor man's sport, especially today. To learn to skydive takes a little bit of money, and to commit to a high level of training takes a lot of money. So we are actually seeing a large number of the 30 ages something... So when you get to the 30 age somethings and you get to the engineers, the engineers commonly are like, bro, I want to do formations because they want to see the geometric shapes. Engineers are like, bro, I want to go turn points because they like the structure of Q, 22, B, I don't know, I'm making up, <laughs> th- those are belly points. So they, they mean something, <laughs> I don't know what they mean. Um, Q is satellite, by the way, if I remember right, and it would be one of the only points I know. Um, o is, no, O is satellite, I forget now. I don't know belly stuff. Yeah, fucking, it's, I don't know shit you know, either. I, I go and take, I try and organize a belly jump and it's usually around to an accordion to around to an accordion no to around to a sit round uh nope i haven't (laughs) done any rounds to sit rounds in a long time because if we're doing any sort of belly stuff it's usually we're just going to stick to belly stuff because that's where we belong we'll try to build that accordion and then we'll try and break it off into peace flying Mm -hmm. so we'll we'll break that down the middle and turn it around 180 or turn around 360 back to that piece and then go back to the round and then we'll spin the round for a bonus point and everybody will fling off. Peace flying, man. We, we do have a lot of new jumpers, not just uh, Wuffos who listen to this. Peace flying is if we build a three-way formation right now, you, myself, and Mr. P, and I just broke off and you guys kept your two-man formation and you rotated the formation. It's called turning the piece. So yep. it's a piece or a group of skydivers sticking together in a formation. Lucas docking, not in the way you watch porn, bro. Um, it's, it's a docked formation rotating around each other or turning together. Um, but yeah, you, I'd like to do, I like to do the piece turning and some sort of piece stuff during the formation. Cause it teaches you to fly as a group. So not only are you thinking about levels of, of your piece, but also levels of another group and slowly coming back together and 
thing about everything that it is that is of a formation, but bringing two formations together. Now, if you can think about that, then when you're flying by yourself, it shouldn't be too much of an issue because you should be able to understand, uh, t- take it easy, and let things happen. Sort of deal. I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. Man, you know, I, I don't think there ever is an easy solution to the question we're trying to figure out, Mr. P, and that's is how do we convey these messages to newer jumpers? Because unfortunately, it's the experience that really conveys the message more than anything else. You know, even right now, you're having a hard time, Mr. Reyes, Nick, trying to put together an answer of how we convey these to the new jumpers. And I've been doing this for 20 years, and I still don't know how to convey it either. Um, I definitely think what you're saying is education. I think what you're saying is pushing forward and, and getting them to learn more and do more is super huge. I think approach and the way we speak to them is a super huge deal, and it's going to make a difference as well. Um, new jumpers... Don't be the judge of your own experience. And, and I f- fuck skydiving for one second. You're new to any sport. You are not the judge of how good you are. The people you don't like are the judge of how good you are. Because I go up to my boy Nick Ray as he's homies with me. Yo, bro, how am I doing? Oh, dude, you're doing sick, man. Like your friends want to appease you. Your friends want to make you happy. Your friends want to tell you the things you want to hear. Um, although a true friend would be like, bro, you need to check yourself. And I think that's where Will was a very dear friend to you. Will was always honest with you, but very polite to you. He did both. Um, so if you're really looking as a new jumper to find out how good you are, go find the people you don't like and ask them respectfully, like, Hey man, I'm considering doing this. What do you think? But also make sure you're approaching a person who's honest, because if you, if, if I don't like you, I might just not want to talk to you and give you an answer to get you out of my face. But find that guy who you know speaks his mind. DQ. I love DQ for so many reasons, and he's a fucking great man. But he'll tell you the truth if you ask him to. And you might not like his answer. He will do it respectfully today. Uh, him and I suffer from the same thing. We always haven't. But, I mean, dude, did you watch him this weekend, this weekend how he treated people? My boy's grown, hasn't he? Doesn't he? Dude, he, he's a grown-up motherfucker. So... We're going to move on from that because I just don't think we'll ever end that age-old conversation. And I want to, A, uh, shed some bad news to the start of the next topic. The mother of all boogies and the big wingsuit event are the same weekend. I actually heard back from DQ. DQ sent me a message, and DQ said, like, yeah, man, it's the whatever. And I just looked up the Moab dates, and they're the same fucking date, dude. So is um, <clears throat> um, Nationals is happening during the Moab boogie? And I want to say there might be one other thing happening during the Moab Boogie, which is kind of silly. It's annoying in the fact that, like, this is, like, 15th or 16th um, Mother of All Boogies. So it's a pretty annual thing, and it's always on the last weekend of September because uh, that's that's when the weather's nice. Um, so we can actually jump all day. Um, and off-site jumps not be too much of an issue. <coughs> As far as, like, the air being active and thermals and dust devils and all that good sure. stuff. Um, you know, last week in September, it usually calms down. Monsoon season is over, and weather is usually nice. Um, but, you know, it's it's a unique time. Um, this year is going to be especially nice because uh, we've got some pretty rock star uh, organizers showing up. Um, we have a Noah Bonson. A, a Kai Kai, Petter, Dami, uh, possibly Katie Hansen, and 
There's another name in there that it won't be there because well they're not here. But, so uh, real quick, man, if you guys are jumpers, we're gonna. I, that's what I want to talk about right now is the Moab boogie. So you're going straight the right direction, right there. That guest list of organizers. That's a bunch of people you want to fucking skydive with. Number one, there's some gnarly, gnarly fucking flyers in there. Number two, they're really good organizers. There is a difference. Like there, there's some super badass flyers who can't organize worth a shit. There's some super dope flyers who can't coach to save their lives. We're talking about people who can do all of the above. People who actually want to come out and have fun. And not they just want not go out and set, set records and do the most badass skydives every time, but go out and jump with new people and try to make that skydive the best skydive during the boogie. For you. They don't want to just have fun for themselves. They want to facilitate your fun. Exactly. You know, I have a buddy, uh, eventually we'll have him on, a guy named Tom Noonan, and he always likes to say, and I love this cheesy fucking line, people say, oh, you're awesome, bro. He's like, oh, I'm not awesome. I'm just a conduit of awesome. I get to direct awesomeness all around, which is such a fucking cheesy statement, but it's, I mean, I mean, I can't argue with the logic one bit. Um, these folks are want to be conduits of fun at this event. They're not just there to do some sick free flying and be an or They're like, dude, I want to make sure everybody has as much fun as I do. So just for that alone, let's go to Moab because it's a fucking, it's that. Now, how long is Mother of All Boogies, M-O-A-B, is the name of the boogie, yeah? And it's in Moab, Utah, so if you can't spell, good luck with the rest of it. (laughs) It's been going on for how long now? Uh, I want to say this is the 16th year. 16th year. Gee, has it been that long? Because I remember when it first started off, you know, I've been jumping long enough. I remember when they really started getting that drop zone going. And it was a, it was not a big deal, I don't think, early on. As far as they made it a big deal name-wise, but as far as the level of attendance, the level of success, it was very successful in, in, in their minds. But it, it wasn't like that big-name boogie. But over the years, Moab Boogie has, has become quite a big name. It's uh, it's a really cool time. There's, uh, I mean, you get to do the offsite jumps. What? Okay, so let's um, stop right there for one second. What? What do you mean offsite jumps? <clears throat> so, uh, not just jumping at the airport and landing right at the hangars, packing up and going for your next jump, but landing offsite of the actual airport. Um, so, one of one of them is uh, Mineral Bottom, which is a really cool one. You're flying over, basically over top of Canyonlands Park. You're like, Mineral Bottom's like right on the border of Canyonlands and the BLM land. Is that the, the site that's west of you guys? Uh, more or less west. I mean, that way west. Yep. I, I think I looked at it on, on an aerial at some point. <coughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, there's a big canyon. The Green River flows down the bottom of... You're flying over top of some really incredible terrain, uh, Canyonlands National Park. Uh, you land at the bottom, you pack up on a tarp, Cessna comes back down, picks you up, and takes you back to the airport. This one's super cool, super unique in the fact that, you know, you're treated like a rock star. You land at the bottom, we're going to come back and pick you up from this offsite spot, and we're going to take you back in the airplane. You get to do another skydive back. Where's the airplane land? Uh, there's a dirt strip down the bottom. Okay. That's uh, decently regularly used, uh, whether it's for like river trips. Um, maybe somebody will they'll shuttle boats down and then people will fly in, get dropped off, walk over to the boat launch or shuttle over and get on boats and then go for a ride. Or you, you ride the river over to and then you get on an airplane, fly back to the airport. Now, this is usually people with money, so it's kind of a special sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just it's. It's one of the, it's one of the cooler jumps just getting to 
fine land next to the river. But uh, then there is um, Gemini Bridges, which this one's uh, specifically a de-licensed landing area because you're landing up on top of a mesa inside of a valley. So there's the, the outs are days away as far as a retrieval goes. And um, <clears throat> it's it's not the most one of the it's not one of the most forgiving jumps uh, as far as the offsites are concerned. So this is a delicensed landing area. And you've done that jump? Yeah, it's a really cool, and that's where um, the the offsite uh, jump video that I put together with a lot of TJ in there. As a uh, you no, know, a lot of it was Gemini bridges because there's some really really cool terrain up there to fly around. Um, and then you land up on top and you get into uh, a jeep or whatever, and you do more or less a four-wheel off-road drive back to the airport. It's a quick 20-minute drive. So one of the off-site jumps I want to know about, I don't know if it's available for the Moab Boogie, and obviously who can do this I think is going to be a selective choice, but I think I've seen a video of you swoop a mesa and then dive out of the swoop back into the canyon and land your parachute below that. Oh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that would probably be the mineral bottom jump. Okay. Uh, more than likely, swoop in the top and then land down the bottom yeah. next to the river. That, that's so fuck. Like, basically, you get two swoops out of that fucking skydive. You skydive. two swoops for the price of one. Yeah, I mean, I think if I remember looking at it right, your second turn's not going to be necessarily super crazy, crazy big. You're not building all the power in the second turn. You're just building a little bit of power and getting a nice landing. I mean, it's still power. It, it, it's it still definitely speed. depends on your choice of, uh, your choice of, of top swoop. Okay. Um, because <clears throat> in the canyon, there's a lot of fingers that stick out. So if you pick the right one, you can swoop that one and then set up to either huck a quick 270 or set up proper and get a big fat 90 out of or fly a little bit of terrain. It just it all it all depends on where you choose um, choose your line and choose your approach. Okay, huh? And like a lot of that comes with like act one being able to jump there and then go do it again and two just being able to see it from the ground and actually scope out a line <clears throat> you know like like think about what these what what, what wingsuit or what wingsuit proximity flying is coming to it, sure you get you're you're usually seeing videos of people flying down in these canyons going for some super sick terrain flights and getting a, a ridiculously close to canyon walls and going into some really unforgiving places now what you don't get to see is the jumps that come beforehand, uh, the the scouting and the learning and figuring out the terrain, understanding level change and what altitude the terrain's at and where you're at from where you start and everything. And there's a lot of logistics and math that goes into it, but nobody really sees that because it's it's not what people are are. We show the highlight reels. That's what you're seeing on fucking Facebook. Nobody the wants highlight to reels. watch you fly 200 foot above this terrain flight. And, oh, yeah, that's that's really cool. That's nature. Nature's neat. But, um, <laughs> you know, we want to see people get down and dirty and get into some, some very precarious places. But in order to get into these precarious places, you need to know where they are. Like, you, you can't take up a space if you don't know it exists. So go and figure out what you're dealing with and then and then you go and, and deal with it. You kind of get a lucky insight because, A, you fly over these things regularly in a jump plane. Whether you're jumping there or not, you get a little bit of scouting that way. Uh, hiking, climbing, base jumping, speed flying. I think you get more access to some of these sites. And uh, I'm sure as you go to these places, you're like, oh, I could come back and explore this with a parachute. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so you've got some off-site jumps. Obviously, one of the big attractions, and, and I hear from all my buddies who go to Moab, like, I did this super sick, and they almost always tell me about, like, I landed on, um, I forget the, the second one you mentioned, but the, I mentioned I landed on the Mesa there, the D-license restricted one. I've heard Mineral Flats or Mineral Bottoms, mineral I think bottom. is the name. Yeah, yep. I've heard that one more than once because um, of the river. That's how I recognize it. What else is Moab about? I mean, what, what else is going on this boogie? Uh, this, uh... What, the boogie, the boogie. Um, oh, one other offsite is Sorel River Ranch, which is really cool over Castle Valley. Uh, we landed at a resort. It's actually a grass landing area, which there's not a whole lot of grass in Moab. So when you get <laughs> to land on grass, it's pretty special. But we land there, and uh, we usually do it at sunset and go hang out at the resort. There's a usually drinks, a party. Have a few drinks, hang out on the river, watch sunset, and then we'll drive back to the airport and hang out at the airport and have some fun. Um, we feed people, uh, for two of the nights, I want to say, and then, uh, the desert party is pretty spectacular. Um, we're 16 miles away from town. Uh, we party out in public land. We bring a big, uh, DJ truck, if you will, and, uh, have fire, drink some beers. Everybody gets on it. Some people lose their mind. Some people don't. It's all personal choice, but we have a good time, play loud music and nobody really fucks with us. It, something we talked about last week is somebody mocked a boogie because the boogie didn't have certain type of aircraft or didn't have this or didn't have that. A fucking boogie is a skydiver's excuse to party. That's exactly it. It's about yeah. the people. If if you know boogie goers, then you know somebody who has been to a boogie and made less than 10 skydives. And they're there for the entirety of the boogie, whether it's a week or two week or two to three days. You know, you go to a boogie, you're going there to party. You're going to have fun and just be loose and be yourself. You're on vacation proper. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's boogie goers that go there for the jumps and go there to shred uh, and do some rad stuff on skydives, um, which is all good and well. But, I mean, if as long as you stick with it and at least party with everyone that you just jumped with, then I guess you're doing it right. Man, the World um, Freefall Convention was the largest my, boogie ever. I do five <laughs> jumps during that boogie because I was too busy trying to recover from last night. That's exactly it. Man, fuck that shit. You know, um, everybody's hungry for sure, and uh, some people eat, some people have a snack, and then do whatever it is that they want to do. Um, I love how ambiguous like, you are with that. What's that? Some people lose their minds, some people don't. Some people they do don't. what they want to do. <laughs> I, I, I read you. Look at that photo right there. Hey, that was a fun time. Oh, man. We're looking on Facebook at a picture of Mr. Reyes swooping by a hangar. Is that the drop zone hangar or just a hangar? Uh, That hangar is actually uh, owned by people that don't really like me because I swoop. Because you swoop their hangar. So this is some Alaskans. They've got got two carbon cubs. Uh, They've got a huge helicopter. Uh, I don't know what helicopter it is. They've got a Cessna Citation in there and a couple of Cessnas. Yeah, yeah. A citation, uh, they just have in that hangar, and they'll they'll take it and do whatever it is that they do. But they'll so they come to Moab, and some uh, one thing that they especially like to do is uh, it's a couple. They're, uh, they've been married for ages, um, but they love getting in their carbon cubs, um, single, in their carbon cubs, the both of them, and they'll go off and fly some canyons, go land on a dirt strip, do whatever it is that that they do get back in their respective airplanes, fly around some more, and come back to the airport and 
land and what's a carbon cub? Uh, uh like a bush plane. Okay, I know what a piper cub is. Piper cub. This one is more carb. I don't know. Super lightweight. Super big old fat tires. It's got carbon cub written on the tail. So that's what I call it. Okay. I, I just wonder, like, at first I was wondering, is it a cub made of carbon fiber? But car- uh, cubs are very thin skin, so I don't think carbon fiber is going to save them, like, super tons of weight. But I don't know much about airplanes. Airplanes, you pull back on the stick to make them go up. You pull back more, and they go down. That's what I know about airplanes. So um, that was from my pilot friends. Dude, you just, was that the Moab uh, Facebook page you were just flipping through, no, Mr. P? So he was just going through Mr. Ray's photos, and, and dude, you have been doing some gnarly flying out there. So why else would I want to go? Like, let's convince some of our friends who want to go to Moab why um, they should do this. So you show up to a boogie, um, and the weather sucks. It's windy. It's 25 miles an hour. You can't go skydive, and you're just or it's cloudy, and they're not going to send an airplane um, because there's a streak of clouds, but everywhere else is nice and. You know, they say, no, we're not going to fly right now. Uh, there's plenty of other things to do. Um, bring climbing gear. You know, even people in Texas climb. Go to a climbing gym. Mm-hmm. A lot of people invest in their own gear. Buy a harness. Uh, buy climbing shoes. And we'll go to the gym and climb on the weekends. Now, bring that climbing gear, and you can go and get some actual outdoor climbs in. Uh, there's plenty of climbers that also skydive. So if you want to go climb, we set you up with somebody who's a climber. They'll go put up a rope for you, and you can go for an outdoor climb. You climb. I climb. Trad? Uh, I don't lead trad. Dude, I fucking set in pro scares. Like, I, I've never done any trad. I've, I've, I've been outdoor. I've uh, done lead climbing, but with, all, with pro already set. And it scares me to watch people set pro because, like, anchors that are put in the wall that are bolted in, I feel pretty good about, and I'm even sketched on those. Watching a dude try to throw a cam in a crack and see if that shit's going to fit. It's insane. It sketches I've, me. I'm going to fall and bust that fucker. Yeah, I've led a couple. I've I've led two, two trad climbs. So you've set pro. I've set pro. And I actually hung on gear, um, and it was really scary. Have um, you ever taken a fall and in the middle of the fall wondering, is this going to hold? Uh, no, I haven't. That's uh, that's what uh, what most climbers would probably call a whipper. Uh, when you're up above your gear and you fall and you think, yeah, there's there's a significant amount of time where you think, is this going to catch me? And it usually does. Yeah. <clears throat> now, that being said, I watched a buddy who was um, putting up, he was going to put up a route. Like uh, he, he wanted to establish a climb. And um, the last place he could put gear was pretty low considering the finish of the climb. And there's nowhere else to place gear outside of drilling a bolt and then leaving a bolt to place a, um, a quick draw. Um, so he sets his gear and he starts climbing and he's climbing. And uh, he takes his fall and he's literally five foot off the deck mm. um, right next to his Blair who had come off the ground. Because he takes such a fall, and he's got tension on, and they leveled out. Uh, We're yeah. right next to each other. I've so. been there on just a lead climb. It was uh, scary. It was pretty exciting to watch. Dude, Rory Corgan tried to drop me on a fucking top rope. <laughs> um, I, I, I took a big fall from a top rope, and Rory did not catch me in time. And I, I, I know for sure I was flat as a pancake laid out on my back. 
And a couple buddies stand there like, bro, your back came inches off of the fucking ground as you rebound from the rope. Because it was dynamic rope. It wasn't static rope. Yep. Um, it was made for a fall. And they were like, bro, you should have went. And uh, dude, Rory was so fucking cool about it. So apologetic. And I immediately said, catch me again. Let's go. Because if I didn't let Rory catch me again that day, I, he would have never. I would have never partake. It'll eat you up. Yeah, dude. Like you will never do fucking you. You stay the fuck away from any fucking blade for me. You you cannot catch me. Yeah. I immediately let him catch me again, and dude, I'll, I'll let Rory catch me any day of the week. He he made a fucking earnest mistake. He fucked up, and I don't think he'll ever do it with me again. Um, that's a scary place to be when you take that fall. Yeah. And that was just uh, a top it's just rope a fall. scary place to be on the wall, like uh, when you're relying on a uh, nylon. A line of rope, your harness, uh, your knot that you're tied into. It's a lot of trust, and especially of your friend who is supposed to be, uh, you know, managing the rope and the belay and everything in between. Yeah. And, you know, when you're 100 foot off the deck or even 20 foot off the deck is scary. It's, it's all perspective. It's close to ground stuff that's going to get you. Um, and, man, when you get 100 foot, 150 foot off the deck, it starts to get pretty exciting, even if you're on top rope. Just the exposure itself is insane. The harness doesn't scare me. The rope doesn't scare me, like, as far as the equipment. Because, like, when I first started climbing, uh, the guy who owned the gym was teaching Val and I on a top rope. And he's like, cool, you're going to climb. All right, you're going you're gonna to call down this. You're going to call down that. You're going to say falling, and you're going to announce your first fall. And she's going to catch you so you guys can see it. Cool, let's do that again cool this time climb and randomly fall off the wall she has to catch you and it's it's a whole training session of catching and you've been there dude i climb up the wall i get so far off and i just fucking straight up lunge off the wall and the guy when we land he's like oh my god i can't believe how much trust you two have in each other like what i'm like bro i i skydive for a living and that means nothing to your world but I inspect equipment regularly, and I'm looking at the way your harnesses are built. I'm looking at the way things are stitched. I'm looking at the way the rope works. I ain't scared of this gear. The only thing I'm scared of is the person not catching me. Yes. Well, if you're on a Grigri, then there's no issue. D- dude, fucking Rory had me on a Grigri. He had it open. <laughs> he, 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 had, he had the gate open. So, I mean, that's the Grigri is an issue if the user is not letting it work right, right? Um, auto belayer, Grigri, uh, Mr. P, do you know anything about yeah. climbing? Okay, cool. Yeah, I, uh, Hey, Nick Lott. I had a brief obsession with climbing when I was What's probably uh, 13. That 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 uh, that tattoo on your neck, what does that mean? Oh, God, don't God do it. God damn it. Don't do it to me. No, uh, living in uh, living in Utah, it was just, you know, there's a, a lot of it around. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a rock climbing gym called Rock Creation that mm-hmm. I had membership to. And I remember what the uh, initial inspiration was to go there, but me and my brother both had a membership there. My brother was a few years older, so he could actually drive us to the uh, to the rock gym. But no, it was super he fun. He could drive us. Um, man, I got I got into climbing because, as you know, I'm not a fan of working out, and I thought climbing was a way to work out without like I could climb for fun and work out without realizing it, and it really is truly a successful way to do that. Man, you've been fighting that all day long, brother. I appreciate man, you. Man, it's being been here. a long day for me. I I dude, with this morning at like ten o'clock, you were tired. Yeah, and well, I don't w- don't worry. I only have to be up in. Uh, Seven hours? No, not seven. I gotta be up at five thirty. I'm not good at math right now. That's okay, man. I don't think we're too far from wrapping tonight. Um, thank you for being here. Uh, so climbing was a distraction for me, man. I, I had no clue you climbed. Did you know the other house? Our, our other house? Has yeah, a, I've seen the, uh, the, wall. the rock wall that you got in the just a boulder in, wall in the garage there. Yeah, nothing special. But if you actually take all the proper routes on there, and there are some fucking tight problems on that wall, dude. Um, 
Did you know Hugh Funk? Were you here for him? I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'm not sure if I know him in person. Super cool cat. Hugh now works at the Air Force Academy as an instructor. He's a super it's dope on a, a demo team, right? Does demo that's, stuff a lot as well. That's what I see of his on, on Facebook. Yeah, but he was a competitive climber at one point, and when he moved here, he was fresh out of the climbing scene, so he helped me build that rock wall. He set some routes on that wall as a competitive climber that whooped his ass, and there are a couple routes. They're my defining routes. Like, I'll go up to that wall right now, and I'll get some of the basic routes. And really, I say routes. It's a, it's a bouldering wall, so it's more problems. You don't have routes. You have problems. And then I'll hit some of those problems, no problem. My toughest problem on that wall I have yet to solve, and I will never take that problem down. Um, it, it's, Hugh, it's Hugh's founding tough one. Hugh's like, this is the one, DJ, if you ever solve this problem, and I know how to do it, just because I know how doesn't mean I'm capable, then I'm like, he, he's like, you're accomplished, bro. You, you fucking put this together. He taught me all of it. But there's another one on there that tells me I'm in climbing shape or not because it's a 30-degree overhang with a slide move, a side move. It's fucking vicious we i maybe should get back into it with you some just i I like climbing so you climb outdoors a little bit you've climbed indoors i yeah so it like man so man indoors i was pushing 512 513 so much more controlled i even got to hide like i got 13 d's i pushed the occasional 14 a 14 b's and i'm like dude i'm getting pretty good at climbing and then a buddy of mine, Chris Miller, takes me out for some outdoor stuff. I'm finally getting outside, and I'm so fucking stoked because it's like skydiving. I like indoor skydiving. I like the tunnel. I have mad respect for it. I want to be outside. Fuck you. Like, I want to be around Mother Nature. Uh, and, and the rock wall was, I was in Indiana climbing for the winters. I'm in Houston. That's all we have. We went out to, like, Rymers and other places out in Houston. And I've been to a couple other places in Austin. And dude, a five ten out there is not the same as a five ten in a gym, is it? No, 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 not at all. So outside, what's your like? What's your toughest ascent? What 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 is the hardest thing you like? Where are you at as a climber? I've climbed. I've followed five eleven. Um, to say I've climbed five eleven is not exactly fair. What I think, um, because you get a little bit of help from the rope, especially if you have somebody sure. who knows what they're doing. They can pull up tight and give you some yeah, fucking tension. tension upward, and now you're not really carrying your entire weight, and you can get up the wall a little bit, a little bit better. But um, man, I've uh, so five eleven outside. You're doing five thirteen inside, no problem. Uh, it all depends on the gym. I can't get yeah, uh, or, you know, or the like, route setter. Yeah, exactly. It depends on who set the route and who wants to put the grade on the route. Yeah, because like I, there's a lot of people who have put a route put up routes in Moab for outside climbs that a lot of my climber friends are like, oh, they can call this a 512, but I'd probably call it like a 511. This wasn't that bad. Or somebody puts up something that they call 510. They're like, wow, this is pretty stout route. And we should probably call it 511, 512, uh, something along the lines. Just it, it depends on who put the route up. And they, how they grade it, because I know dudes who grade the entire route and say this route is a 511. I know it's got a 512 crux on it, but I'm not going to call the 512. And then guys who go like, yeah, it's a 511 route, but it's got a 512 crux, so I'm going to call the 512. Exactly. I mean, dude, that's it, just a problem. And, you know, climbing is, um, it's, it's not a super constant sort of sport. Like, you go around the world... Uh, there's not a certain set of rules or a certain way to do things. Yep. It's a very individual sort of thing. Like I don't know if you've ever seen like Valley Uprising, uh, which is an, uh, a documentary on Yosemite and the upbringing of climbing in Yosemite. No, but I watched. Which is fuck, super, yeah, super interesting. Um, 
find it, watch it. It's a really good watch. Um, anything on the Yosemite Valley is pretty incredible, uh, usually. Um, but yeah, like there's places where you know people aren't allowed to climb with chalk because it's uh, they they say that it makes the wall look gross yeah. and it, it doesn't look appealing. And there's places where they say you're not allowed to use cams. Uh, and the way that they they climb and their protection is different uh, different ropes uh, with different knots tied into them. So you'll have instead you're of using knots and rope to set pro. Yeah, exactly. So instead of having like cams and bolts or uh, yeah, yeah. cams, bolts and nuts and stuff like that, they've got uh, assorted ropes with uh, different like uh, basically like a monkey fist yeah, tied yeah. into, and they're shoving that in the crack and <coughs> wedging that into place and using that for their protection, and then they'll climb on. I I can see the sense in where it's uh, a, a a nylon knot is going to be less damaging. Because, I mean, if you've ever seen whether it's it's drilled in pro or whether it's pro set on a trad climb, um, you can see the damage it can do on the rock face. You can see it pulling chunks oh, yeah. apart every now and then. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, man, you talk about a purist when you're setting pro with fucking knots and ropes. Yep. I didn't know that existed. Uh, yeah. that's. Uh, I want to say that's either in Valley Uprising or another climbing documentary that I looked at. But... um. You know, like I climbed uh, the Castleton Tower, which is a pretty iconic tower in Moab in the Castle Valley. And, um, you know, on the climb up, there's just leftover gear, which, you know, at that point, it's who's to say it's not litter. You know, you just you left your stuff behind because you couldn't get it out. You know, and it's it's almost a bit of an eyesore. And in some cases, it's kind of preventing you from taking hold. You know, with Trad, you're just shoving your hand in a crack and exploring. Burning good enough that it's gonna hold you in your place. Your hands, the cam. Yeah, exactly. You're you're camming your hand. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. camming your foot out, and this is what's getting you up the wall. And you're Stick your hand in a fucking crevice and make crack. a fist to make it work. Oh, crack climbing is the shit. Uh, it's pretty fucking cool what you can do with the human body to get yourself up a wall. Dude, and, I know you're um, into that crack. Oh, I'm into the crack, man. Oh, yeah, dude. you know the best thing to do after you've done crack. What? Do more crack. not that kind of crack mom oh shit uh yeah no but but, uh just the fact that you can use your your body to wedge into into a a fucking crevice and get get stuck in that crevice and just hold it on real tight and then pull (laughs) pull yourself up and then get in the next slot oh it's, it's it's really cool it's a different sort of feeling, unlike and like sport climbing, where you're you know holding on on edges or, or big old fat jugs or knobs or whatever it is. It's, and you're um, not afraid to put your hand on that hole because there's not going to be a scorpion or a spider in it. Well, you don't know that yet. No, outside. I'm saying outside. or inside. I mean inside. Yeah, dude, that's exactly. one thing that makes indoor easier is because you know the hold you have on the wall is more than likely going to stay where it's at. Uh, Every now and then you get a spinner. There's so there's a spot close to Moab. It's in between Moab and Monticello, Utah, um, called Indian Creek, and this is like one of the most one of the more popular places to go and do trad climbing or crack climbing, if you will, because there's just these huge splitter cracks that go for hundreds of feet, and they're all just like number twos and number uh, number twos and number threes, just perfect hand crack and smaller, but for hundreds of feet. And for a climber, this is paradise. Sure, yeah. But there's certain times a year where certain climbs are inaccessible because there's birds that go and nest there. 
And if you're doing one of these climbs and one of these birds isn't very happy with you being close to the nest, you're going to get attacked. <laughs> and there's stories of climbers being attacked by birds climbing That's these dope. routes uh, because they're not stoked on them getting close to the nest, which Don't. is up close near the climb. That's where their fucking babies are. Birds are fucking assholes, man. Birds are assholes. Can't mess with a bird. You ever have a pet bird? Ever know anyone who's got a pet bird? Brian Clark. I don't know if you know him. Who's from <clears throat> Utah, motherfuckers. Uh, has a shitload of pet birds, yeah. and they're assholes. Yeah, they're usually a bird will attach itself to one person, and that's its person. And they're really nice to that person. They get along really well, and they're a fucking asshole to everybody else. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a, not a bird fan. I met a bird in Belize that was a real pain in the ass. Yeah, what was he doing? Oh, just fucking hanging out at the bar. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, but, bro- uh, you know, we, we tried talking to him and make him to say something, and he just got pissed off at us, and we would go and try to pet him like the rest of the people that work there and he'd try to bite us. Brian Clark has a room that's a little bit, this is a 14 by 14 room. His room is maybe a little bit smaller than this and it's full of birds. The boy is fucking straight up into birds too. He's got several, several um, birds. When I say birds, like macaws and bigger birds, he's probably got four maybe plus or minus a couple and then a bunch of small parakeet i mean dozen plus birds in this fucking room it's my, my mom was one of those growing up we actually built uh in the backyard we had we had about an acre of land in this particular house and uh in the backyard they built what we called the bird building because it was filled with birds that her and uh, my stepdad were trying to mate at the time so uh yeah cockatoos and african grays and Conyers, I think. They're What's a bird building called? And uh, he's got a name for it. I can't an, remember. A coop. No, I want to say an aviary. Est- aviary. But, That's uh, the word. English. But uh, yeah, so my mom had a lot of pet birds that she was their person. So I got bit by a lot of birds as a kid. So fuck birds. <laughs> <laughs> bird, bird, birds are assholes. Anything that flies are assholes. Just look at skydivers yeah. for your nope. example. Mm-hmm. There, there is your simple standard. What a stud. Who's Michelle? K-U-H-R. Michelle Kerr. Michelle Kerr. I think she learned how to skydive at Space Uh She says, what a stud, and there's no way she's talking about myself or Mr. P. She, she's a sweetie. Uh, she's a sweetie. Mr. P, did you say she's a sweetie? I did. If I okay, remember so correctly, I did some mentor jumps with her last year um, when I came for my visit, and she broke her ankle. Oh, uh, yep, that's the one. Yeah, she, uh, well, I don't think, she, she, did, she definitely didn't break it, but she sprung it. Um, Dang, she's cute. How come I don't recognize her? Because uh, you don't pay attention to pretty girls. You're married. Dude, you know what, man? I, I, I've i got... Pretty girls are no longer my kryptonite. I, uh, I got... Dude, it's not I'm married. I'm married to a wonderful, wonderful woman. That's People it. People on this podcast, I'm sure, are sick of hearing me talk about it, but if you're my friend, you're sick of hearing me talk about it, man. I, Valerie is such a wonderful, wonderful person. She's one of the most unique people I've ever met in my life. And one day, you people in internet land can convince Valerie to be on Gravity Lab Radio and be one of our guests, but only you can convince her to do so because she refuses to believe that you guys want her to be on Gravity Lab Radio. So, yo, guys, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, if you have anything involved with it and you want to see Valerie Marvin as a guest and you want to learn more about that wonderful woman, send her every Facebook post you can and bombard her wall and tell her you want to be on there. If you don't want her to be on there, don't send a message, and I'm okay with that. I don't mind. I don't want to force my wife to do anything that she doesn't want to do, but you guys can do so. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble when I go to bed tonight. I promise. <laughs> um, so, Moab Climb, I'm, I'm so fucking distracted over a lot of these conversations, man. Um, 
you've been out there, you've been climbing, you've been doing your thing. What else has Mr. Ray has been doing in your time away in Moab? What else have you been killing your time with? Uh, uh, what do I kill time with? Watching skydiving videos and base jumping videos. So you're just living life, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm fucking trying to live the dream. Not trying. I think you are, man. So you've got a lot of friends. You've got some family who've watched us, some friends who've joined us, uh, and you've made some new friends. A few things I want to know about. So first of all, you've had just like one of the most stellar weeks you've probably had in a long time. Yeah, it's been awesome. You know, the XRW stuff is definitely new. Um, I've I've tried to do XRW with uh, taking small people for Mr. Bills uh, with my Leia. And, um, you know, people, the wingsuit have, have gotten close, but that's like, I can, uh, I can see them over there. Um, we're making eye contact. You're relative, but that's but we're it. not, we're not close. Like we are right. This is, this is close. You know, we're, we're in a room together right now. We're all pretty freaking close to each other, but you know, whenever we're like houses away from each other, that's just like, Oh. Hey, Hi, I see you. We're pretty close to each other. What's uh, up, dude? Hi, I see you. But uh, you know, this this like this has been proper XRW. Uh getting close, taking docks, actually flying with a wingsuiter for a significant amount of time. Doing turns under canopy with a wingsuiter staying with you under turns. Um, that shit was really cool. Um that was pretty awesome, and like being able to be more dynamic with the jumps, and like all like getting close to like dog forty dog or uh, dog fighty type of um, skydives. That's uh, that's pretty neat uh, to fly that aggressive with with someone else in in free fall. You know, like they they haven't even gotten yeah. a canopy out yet. Um, uh, yeah, no, this this is the beginning of my month of partying. So this is like a this, the boogie month. What a fucking way to kick it off, man. One of the favorite things I saw you do this weekend is something I do not recommend people doing. That was a Mr. Bill. A Mr. Bill is when one <laughs> skydiver goes out with a parachute. And I don't know what, do you know what to call? So Felicia was your Mr. Bill. Do you know what your name is in a Mr. Bill? Um, Sluggo. Sluggo. Sluggo, yeah. You actually, it looked like you actually had an idea. So first of all, if you're a skydiver, one guy has his parachute. Both of you wear a parachute. Uh, one of you deploys while the whole other one holds on for dear fucking life. And there is a truth <laughs> to that. You've been on a Mr. Bill. Oh, and yeah. I do not recommend Mr. Bills without a high level of experience and a high level of training. I think they can be done. I think they can be done safely. Um, I was sharing with some friends. I've done a six-way Mr. Bill where six of us went out and did Mr. Bills together. Sick. And then tried to bring the six-way formation together and drop a six-way speed star. Four of the six held on, so we only got, but like, so that's awesome. Yeah, dude, super, super gnarly. Uh, Heath Richardson was involved in that jump. Um, you know, Heath, Heath oh, that's yeah, yeah. fucking cool. A guy named Christian <laughs> Rendell's 3000 jump. So, uh, Mr. Bill, I don't recommend it without high level of experience and proper training, but with those things, it's possible. My favorite jump I saw you do this week is I only saw the video you did of Mr. Bill this week. Oh, uh, yeah, we did two of them. Yeah, so you took out, and I don't know if it's fair to call it a Mr. Bill because it's Felicia. So, number one, it's a Mrs. And number two <laughs> is she's like what you know thirty pounds soaking wet. Yeah, I know. It, uh, she's one hundred twenty out the door. So with fucking gear on, with the bitch gear weighs on, pounds, it, she's one hundred twenty right? pounds. Yeah. How was it like actually taking somebody out under parachute and then handing them off to somebody in her wingsuit and then bailing on them? Uh, it was actually really neat. Um, uh, one, it gave me the opportunity to fly the canopy without weight uh, and walk around. <laughs> getting ready for an XRW without weight. 
uh, because I was wearing 60 pounds. And you worked. I watched you. I helped you put on oh, that today. It's dude, a pain in the ass. That's a pain in the hips. That's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, to, to not wear the weight for an XRW jump is awesome. But um, you know, what really cracked me up was, was um, watching the video from Anthony while he's approaching on his back. Looking, at, looking at us, and there's what you can see is one body, but four legs yeah. <laughs> straggling out. It just looks so hilarious. Um, but uh, holy shit, are we moving fast? Um, and trying to get uh, Felicia switched around was uh, a task on its own because she had to turn directions. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, you know, I'm trying to hold on to her yoke. And, and flip her around, and at the same time, canopy's starting to spin because it's so sensitive on harness at this point that any little bitty movement, and we're sending. And What um, were you loaded at with Felicia on you? Did you do that math? Uh, just over four. <laughs> <laughs> just over a four, 4.1, uh, something like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was a very, very high wing loading. Penis, not ice cream cone. Ah, there you go. So when you handed her off, what did the canopy feel like? Like, what did the unload feel like? You definitely feel it slow down, and it's more of a visual than a feel uh, than anything else. I, you kind of sort of feel some positive pressure in the harness that it is picking Lifting, up. so to speak. Yep. <clears throat> and that's simply because you are going so fast and you lose all this weight. You've got such a high airspeed, and the wing is super efficient, less weight. It starts to pull up a bit, but it's not super significant. Uh, it's more in a visual thing. Uh, watching them once once we drop, and watching the separation, um, it, was, it was where you really understand um, how fast they're moving and how slow you're you're moving at this point. Uh, you you went from flying relative to people to them dropping away from you really 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 fast. And them not really changing too much about the way they're flying. Because, um, like, I mean, on during break-off on the XRW jumps when I'm, I'm wearing my weight and not a human, um, <laughs> they're, um, they're still diving off to build airspeed and then get a flare out and then pinch. Um, so watching them dive away, you can see the separation happen and see that they're picking up speed vertically, like, tremendously. Um, but whenever there's, you don't, and you can see the wingsuiter pull back their wings and go into a dive. So visually you understand that they're speeding up, but my cats are going, how long Johnson, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, with the Mr. Bill thing, you know, you see them change ever so slightly to adjust with the um with the heavier wingsuiter but nowhere near as much as when they go for break off to actually go into a dive to make that speed so they can flare out um so like visually when you pay attention to it that way you can really tell the difference of speeds uh which was super cool um but uh, just having the opportunity to fly the canopy without lead was really nice cuz now i can actually translate to what I've been flying before. Now, <clears throat> that being said, 
that translation isn't super comparable because I'm going from a 74 to almost like a to a 67. You know, it's 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 a pretty big jump, uh, given that there's, you know, a 69, 64. Uh, there's other steps that you can take. Now, Icarus will make a, a canopy with, in whatever number size you want. You know, if you want a 68, they'll build you, you want a 68 a, and a half. They'll write whatever you want on that damn thing. <laughs> you said it the right <laughs> way. You, you want a 66.6, you know, they'll give you the 666 canopy, and they'll fucking write whatever you want on it. <laughs> they'll write. Um, it, it's people who, like, hear what you just said. They, they don't think the difference you said is a huge deal, but you just talked about a 10% decrease in canopy size, and that's a huge deal. It is. That's a huge deal. Um, uh, you know, at the bigger sizes, we're decreasing 15% in canopy size. So 10% is not that far off from what we're doing. And it's exponential to smaller sizes because of the scale of things. It changes dramatically, not just by wing loading, but by scale. Um, that, so this week has obviously been a heyday for you. What's next? Where are you going to? You mentioned it earlier. Uh, Summerfest. Summerfest. And, dude, Summerfest is Skydive Chicago. I have never been to Summerfest. It started around the same time the World Freefall Convention fell apart, and the convention was still the bigger deal. So I, I never got a chance to go to Summerfest because the convention is where it's at. But right now, I think it is one of the hottest boogies that exists. It, it really, as far as overall skydiving and party, because some, de- some boogies are better for skydiving, some boogies are better for party, some boogies are good at both. And I think Skydive Chicago and Summerfest epitomizes both. I think they really do the best of the all-around boogie. Have you been before? I have not. And, and back to, I can't say I, I haven't been, so I can't say I know this, but I, I've listened to my friends who've been and, and people who know the scene well. What are you looking forward to the most at Summerfest? Free flag. So you're going from a week of straight up being a, a gnarly little campy pilot, flying your campy, flying your campy, flying your campy, which you still get to do, but now it's about the free fly scene. Now I want to go free fly and fly angles and go for some dynamic skydives. And then what's what's next after that for you? Um, After that, Lost Prairie. Dude, Mr. P, have you, do you even, what do you know about Lost Prairie? Sorry, brother. Not very much other than it's uh, up north someplace. That's really all I know. That's a boogie that I want to go to and I don't give a rat's ass about skydiving. I'll make two or three skydives and I'm going to enjoy the scene there. It looks like a beautiful joint. Yep. That's up, uh, it's up northern Montana. I want to say it's pretty close to Glacier National Park. And uh, I, from what I hear, it's more about the party than the skydives. Now, they do bring out some really rad organizers. I couldn't tell you who they are, but I've only heard amazing things. That the skydives are good and the parties are even better. Yeah. But um. And if you're not the party animal, which some of us are not, they say it's still worth the seeing the vibe because like there there is something. I have buddies who went to Lost Prairie and they say for those of you who aren't party animals, there is the pre-party party for those of you who want to have a good time but not stay up with the rowdy shit. Which I'm old. I'll take that, man. Um, I really hate to cut it a little bit short tonight, but it's it's. Kind of got to. We're we're getting to that point. Is there anything else you want to share about Mr. Reyes about Moab Skydive Moab and these boogies, particularly the Moab boogie? He's rolling his eyes. He's looking around in his head. He's thinking as hard as he can, folks. Um, come to the Moab boogie. Uh, some of the most beautiful skydives I've ever been on. Um, uh, you know I've skydived. A good handful of states uh, from East Coast to West Coast uh, in America. And I went and lived in Australia for 10 months and skydived up and down the coast there as well. Um, some of the most beautiful jumps I've ever been on are, are in Moab. Just The terrain is insane. 
there's no other place like it. And, you know, if, if you can't go for a skydive, there's plenty of stuff to do outside of. If you ride dirt bikes, uh, you got off-road vehicles and you don't really have an amazing place to ride them, we'll fucking bring them out and rip them around in the desert. Uh, you want to rent these toys? You can rent the toys there in town as well. You want to do some proper outside rock climbs? Go rock climbing. Go see the national parks. Canyonlands and Arches are some of the coolest places around, you know, outside of like Zion and and stuff like that, which is also in Utah. Just the terrain itself is definitely one of a kind. There's it's Moab's on the top ten most beautiful places to go for a tandem skydive. And there's plenty of other places to go skydive as well. But um it's uh, it's just the views. I think the DZ the Skydive Moab just shared that insane. on Facebook, that ranking that they just received recently. I think maybe from TripAdvisor. I don't remember from who. I think it's a TripAdvisor thing. Yeah, the most beautiful skydives to make, dude. And that was super cool to see, man. So, guys, gals, man, like, check out Skydive Moab. I really, I'm, I'm upset because, as you know, I was supposed to show up, but I had, I had offered Mr. Pruitt a traveling course. And by all means, I would do that all over again because I think Hank is such a valuable asset to the sport. Um, I'm a little bit bitter and jealous I didn't get to show up with you guys. That was a cool situation, too. And, uh, dude, it was a cool situation because he taught, you were his first coach candidate. Yep. And then you turn around and you get to help him with a coach course. So I, I really don't think it could have happened better, man. Uh, next time it happens, realize it might be me. <laughs> um, so you got to put up with my ass instead because I ain't giving Hank that trip twice, man. I, I want to come <laughs> check out Moab. Guys, gals. Everybody should. I wish everybody could come and experience the place. It's it's incredible. And there's too many people that talk about it and never actually get to go do it. And uh, d- don't be one of those people. And it's such a wonderful group of people. I know quite a few people, whether by face name or reputation. I have a lot of friends in that general area, whether it's Moab or, or local drop zones nearby. Um, whether some of them became actually Moab recently. Um, is That's right, right? Didn't you guys just join forces with another DZ? Uh, not exactly join forces, but they uh, we took over the place and. Well, I was trying to be nice by saying hostile takeover. Mm, you know, Paul absorb. Um, so, uh, dude, there's some really, really dope people. Some really cool things. Go check it out, man. Um, what we're doing next and what we're going on with Gravity Lab Radio, uh, Mr. Ray's, this was like a super last minute throw together, and I really appreciate you showing up. I really appreciate you hanging out with us here, and, and being here. Um, in the next two weeks, Mr. P, I'm not sure which one of the two, but we're definitely taking the next two, one of the two weeks off for sure. And I believe we'll be looking at Mr. Barry for the other week. So if you have a preference, Mr. P, let me know. We'll talk about that kind of off the air. Um, he's giving me a funny look. Um, till then, man, we are figuring this out. Uh, it has been a late night. I cannot thank Nick Lott, Mr. P enough for, I mean, he's had a really long day and he has really uh, helped to be out here. Mr. Reyes, despite traveling, this is your last night in town with your family and yet you chose to spend it with us. So thank you for being here. Hey man, you guys are a family. Oh dude, thank you so much, man. Holy shit. What was that? What was that? Mr. (laughs) P put that back on motherfucker. That's one of the coolest skydives ever done. What the hell yeah, so, is this, um, dude? <clears throat> so a squirrel came through, and they were doing a big project for the Freak 2 and uh, one of the other new suits that they come what up with. What are these guys doing? This is all one skydive. Um, all, all of these shots right here are all from one skydive. Uh, it's absolutely insane. This, the shit that they're doing is nuts. Uh, the shit that these wingsuits are doing these days is absolutely incredible. Um, they were there to on a film project for the flares of the canopies. 
Yeah, we've se- I've seen those posts on FaceSpace. That was insane. So they went out to Spring Canyon, which is just... Um, I want to say just... Look at my face. That's so mesmerizing. (laughs) I look retarded. (laughs) They were just north of Mineral Bottom Canyon. And they set up these huge pylon gates. And they were flying wingsuits through these pylons and then flaring 200 plus feet out of their gates. Um, And, you know, parachutes climb. You know, you might be able to gain 100 foot if you really try to with a high performance canopy. But these guys are doing over 200 feet in just a wingsuit. They don't even have a canopy out yet. The wingsuits are getting super efficient. And as, uh, the shit that it's, that's being done these days is absolutely incredible. I mean, just watching people fly their wingsuits doing the, the, during this XRW camp, uh, XRW jam, whatever we want to call it, uh, it was really cool. But the stuff that these guys are doing, these ninjas, is, is fucking insane. And... Noah Bonson and uh, no Petter wasn't a part of this, but Noah Bonson is one of the people in in this video. I want to say it's that purplish suit. Uh, I could be wrong, but I want to say he's in that purplish suit. Uh, he'll be out organizing for the boogie. He's either purple or the brown. Um, but he'll be out organizing for the boogie. Um, Petter, who's also a wingsuit flyer. Um, and Katie Hansen, who's also a wingsuit pilot, will will be out organizing. Um, so there's 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 gonna be organizing for everyone in between, whether it's basic basic stuff or you want to throw on a wingsuit and go fly. Um, free flying. Noah Bonson's just a fucking all around ninja. So that's that. Mr. P, have you shared this video on the comments already? Yeah, it's on there. So uh, those of people who haven't seen it and you, and you can't hear this, first of all, just go to the Facebook comments and you'll see a link to it. But you've got this formation of wingsuiters and other guys just weaving in and out of them. And there's a couple shots so tight that I can't tell if the guy he passes by is shaking because of the burble. But I think he's getting wake turbulence off the side and off the burble that's causing a little bit of instability, making guys rock. That's such tight passes and tight flies. It's so sick. So, um, <laughs> dude. It's, it's incredible flying. These guys are ninjas. Mr. P, you ready with that magic button over there? Oh, you know I am. I know he is, man. So, guys and gals, thank you again for joining us. I'll announce ASAP what we're doing in the next couple weeks. We definitely got to take a week off. Uh, Mr. P and I have been super busy with our personal lives. We got things to take care of. Uh, Till then, man, I cannot thank you, Mr. P, enough for putting your energy and effort into everything we do together, man. I love you, brother. He's passed out twice during this. This is my boy, Nick Reyes, dude. I'm so fucking proud to know you. I'm so stoked to call you my friend. Thank you for being here tonight. I am DJ Marvin. This is Gravity Lab Radio. Thank you for joining us. Blue skies. Bye, friends. We Thanks for here. listening to us talk. Nerd. Nerd, 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 nerd.